0: of the G20 summit about taking military action against Syria. David Cameron held talks with President Putin in the early hours and repeated his call for the world to punish President Assad for his alleged use of chemical weapons against his own people. A construction firm has been fined over the death of one of its workers in Hertfordshire. 57-year-old Nigel Sewell died when part of a metal crane
1: collapsed. Lee Agnew reports. Mr Sewell, who came from St Neards, was working on the Thames Water-Lee Tunnel project when the accident happened. He was part of a team assembling a trimast, a metal structure used to install hoists on tall structures. Universal Builders Supply Limited was found guilty of three safety breaches after a trial at Peterborough Crown Court. They've been ordered to pay £165,000 in fines and costs.
0: A worker who's been found guilty of neglect at a care home in Bedfordshire will be sentenced later today. 38-year-old Jackie Andoro fell asleep on the job at the Limes in Henlow while an elderly man was left collapsed on the floor. Another worker who swept the floor around him is being hunted by police after failing to answer bail. And the contents of three newly discovered tombs will be uncovered by archaeologists in Hemel-Hempstead this morning. The brick-lined tombs were discovered by workers under the car park near the Old Town Hall. A look at sport and Andy Murray in tennis is out of the US Open after losing in straight sets to number nine seed Stanislav Warinka. The defending champion was beaten 6-4, 6-3, 6-2 in the quarterfinals and threw his racket. Football and Roy Hodgson has taken the unusual step of naming his England team the day before a World Cup qualifier. The 11 to face Moldova at Wembley will see Joe Hart starting goal in front of a defence of Walker, Cahill, Jagielka and Cole, Gerard Gerard Lampard and Wilshire will play in midfield with Welbeck, Walcott and Ricky Lambert up front. And the weather, well, unfortunately, much cooler today than it has been. Uh, top temperature 19 degrees Celsius. Still not bad. We're beginning of September. That's 66 degrees Fahrenheit. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash counties What, are you coming down here? Yeah, I'm coming now. I've, pu- I've put the kettle on for you as well. Thank you. Where
2: is everyone?
0: Well, Kelly Betts not here yet. She um, had a problem with her numerous alarm clocks this morning. And uh, Serena Farrow, who's reading news, has just arrived.
2: Wow, shock horror. The news Uh, Newsreaders arrived just (laughs) after the news. See you in a bit, Tara. Thank you. The tardiness. And because of the unique way the BBC is funded, we can't suck any of these losers. I know, isn't that incredible? Not even allowed to reprimand them. They'll probably get some special award. So the BBC, they'll get a huge payoff of about £362,000 each. And then we'll hire them again at a higher hourly rate. Well, well, well. Ah, it's Friday, I don't care. You don't care, it's Friday, isn't it? Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Lots to talk about this morning, including a study has found that women are not reporting rape because of lack of faith in the legal system. And a caller to our show yesterday said that they wouldn't bother going to the police if they were a victim of crime, as nothing would be done. Well, the question is, have you lost faith in the police? We need more affordable housing. That's the verdict from the National Housing Federation, which is warning that uh, which is warning that uh, unless we get it, children could be stuck at home forever. You heard me right. Children could be stuck at home forever. Well, can we find the oldest child still living at home with their parents in beds, hearts and bucks? Is your boy there at the age of 36, is your 42-year-old daughter still leaving her bedroom a mess? 08459 four double five five double five. And with a new film about Princess Diana being released, I ask, isn't it time we left Diana alone? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3CR. Or give me a phone call. Out your lazy old children. 08459 four double five five double five
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Is it always worth reporting a crime? A study has found that women are not reporting rape because of a lack of faith in the legal system. The survey, which was commissioned by Rape Crisis, says that 16% of women claim, uh, say they have been raped, but only a fifth of those reported it to the police. Well, what about less serious crimes as well? Are those being reported? Is it easy to report a crime? Pat contacted me on the show yesterday, and this is what he had to say about the police.
4: I've seen an incident where someone's been punched, punched, well, punched in the face... Um, no, one of my relatives and the police didn't come out for, for days and they knew the name of that person the same within an hour. Didn't bother. So you've got those sort of crimes going on and these people that go into these sort of crimes get more serious with what they're doing. And you've got to stop them quite early on. And
2: this is where the police are letting us all down. I must admit, Mike, generally my experience with the police has been fantastic. But, 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 I had to report the fact that there was someone sending me threatening emails. They were basically, well, they were threatening to shoot me. (laughs) They were threatening to shoot me and my children. Um, And uh, I reported it to the police and they kind of looked into it. And then after a few months, they said, no, there's nothing we can do about it. I said, you've got the person's IP. You can find out their their computer code. You can find out where this person pretty much comes from. Well, we can't do a thing. The only advice we've got is if you see anybody in the street uh, acting weird, dial 999. I said, right, by acting weird, you mean if if it looks like they're going to pull out a gun and shoot me, yeah? Yeah, pretty much. I told the detective to... uh, Well, I told her to flip off. (laughs) I said, yeah, I I know. There was a certain satisfaction in that, but they did nothing. I suppose the other point is the police can't do anything if you don't report the stuff. Really keen to get your personal stories on this. Have you reported stuff to the police and they've done nothing about it? Or or, or do you not bother reporting stuff? We sent our reporter, Craig Lewis, to Milton Keynes to find out whether other people uh, out there think it's worth reporting crime.
5: I think we've other people, like, not yourself, you should, but within, like, yourself, like, I've been through stuff, like, not that long ago with the police, and they wasn't really helpful at all, and I don't think it helps also, like, on the news, they were saying, like, oh, they don't deal with, like, 60% of the cases that are put forward to them, they don't really deal with them, I think. Well, where's the justice, you know, there's people, I know they may not be as, um, the instance might not be as big as other instances, but they should still help considering, you know, what could have happened, so I think it's pretty wrong at the
6: end of the day, but yes, I would report a crime if I saw one. Would you report a crime if uh, if you saw something happening?
7: Yeah, definitely, of course. If I saw a crime going on, definitely I have to report it.
6: You, you think it's wrong that people might turn a blind eye to that sort of thing?
7: Um, No, it's not wrong. Uh, say, for instance, if I see a young guy here and maybe somebody is molesting him definitely i have to call the police mm.
6: does it does it make a difference what what type of crime it is whether it's something pretty minor or or uh, if it's something more no, serious it doesn't
7: matter what type of crime it is because you don't know it, crimes begin at a very small stage and it develops and uh, would, would you report a crime if you saw one
8: you know i'm not from here i'm from lithuania about one week ago uh, in our backyard Someone stole the car, you know, And police they be asking a lot of questions. And next day, that, that boys, I don't know, her girls was kept. So.
6: Uh, so, so somebody reported it, and it, and it worked.
8: Yeah, it works. And I trust in police. You know it's okay.
9: Would you Would you report a crime you saw one happening? Oh, I would definitely. I wouldn't think twice to hesitate. It depends really on, on some circumstances. I guess if people are in danger. Um, but, yeah, I think I wouldn't hesitate to call the police at so, all, oh, no, no way. And, and you'd have faith in them doing their job and going out and getting the person yeah. involved? Yeah, I think I would do, yeah. I think I'd like to think that they would, yeah. I mean, obviously it's some circumstances, some things, they don't don't always, you know, not always here on time or something like that, but people can be a bit nitpicky, really, but I would have faith, yeah, I would have faith in, in them responding.
10: Well, I'd be nervous to do it in case, uh, you know, if I said to them, to call the police. They knew I was going to call the police, whether they might, you
9: know, come at me. You'd
6: fear for your own safety, perhaps.
10: I really would, yeah. At my age, especially. Well, that uh, was
2: our reporter, Craig Out in Milton Keynes. I'd like to get your stories on this, please. D- d- there's two different uh, sides to this, I guess. Have you reported something to the police and been disappointed? If your car gets broken into, you kind of have to report it to the police to get a crime number. They're not going to come round, are they, and dust your car for fingerprints and uh, knock on doors to ask if anybody saw anything. And I think we accept that now. 20 years ago, I'd imagine it was slightly different. Now we accept it. Uh, if your house is broken into, I, I, you, I guess you'd expect them to come round quite quickly. Have you called the police and been disappointed with their response? Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Do you now just think, ah, do you know what... I I'm not going to bother reporting this. They're not going to do anything. They're not going to find anybody. It's, it's, it's a waste of time. 08459 455 555. It's 11 minutes past six. It's BBC Three Counties Radio. Kelly Betts is now officially 42 minutes, 40, well, nearly 42 minutes late. We'll be continuing the Kelly Betts countdown as the show continues. As soon as she arrives at BBC Three Counties Radio Towers, we will let you know. Don't forget. You're paying her wages. Literally, you are paying a late girl's wages. How does that make you feel? Kelly Betts is in the building, dear listener. She is in the building wearing the same dress she wore yesterday. listener because of the unique way the BBC is funded you have paid uh, 40 uh, 3 minutes worth of wages to a young lady who hasn't bothered to come in on time. Kelly Betts, thank you so much for joining me at work.
11: It happens to everyone. You've been late. Um, Everyone's been late. When
2: have I been late?
11: I don't know but you. Oh, you've been late and then you just went back home. Well, I did pulled over a layby and said Oh, I'm late. Oh, just, oh. Um, and then you made up some excuse about having a headache and then you went back home. No,
2: I yes, I, I could have done
11: that and I, not come in.
2: Yes, and I would have respected you more had you not bothered <laughs> to come in. The fact that you... Is you it
11: still too late to do that? Yes.
2: Oh. So what, what's, what's your excuse?
11: I didn't hear my alarms.
2: Your alarms? Mm, yeah. How many alarms have you got? Six. You've got six alarms?
11: Yeah. Have you really? Yeah. They start at four and they end at 4.50. <laughs>
2: I've, I've in the past, I've had two alarms. Mm. One next to me and one on the other side of the room, so I have to go and... Uh, but, but you have six. Yeah. Are they all... What are they? Are they ringing alarms? Are they digital? Beep, 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 beep. Are they radio? I think
11: one's like a dog, a barking dog. Uh, One's like a bit of a song. Some of them are alarm, like beep, beep, beep. Yeah. So I go... I can bring it. I can play it. No, no, no.
2: And you slept through all six. Yeah. That's not even possible.
11: Well, it happened. This morning is proof that it's possible.
2: Okay, well, can you, would you mind going out? I don't know, maybe doing a little bit of work. The thing is... No. What? The thing is, go out, yeah. ask people about whether they'd report things to the crime, and also ask people whether it's time... Report ti-
11: things to the crime?
2: To the police. Don't start, girl. <laughs> and also, ask them if we, it's time we left Princess Diana alone. Okay. Off you go. But oh, it- do you want to say sorry to the listener as well?
11: Um, sorry. Oh, can I tell you something really what, quickly? I, I had a dream that I was already at work and I had a dream that I met Stephen Dunstable.
2: Okay, off you go.
11: It's interesting. Stephen,
2: bye. Can I only apologise, dear listener? It's shocking, isn't it? Shocking. She wants to work in proper radio. It ain't never gonna happen. 616, BBC Three Counties, let's get the travel with Russell. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Well, thankfully my alarm works, so I'm delighted to say I'm here. And, and how many alarms do you need, Russell? Um, well, I used to have a couple of alarms, yep. but now, because I don't want to wake my wife up, I've just got the one.
2: You've got the one alarm. And you, you you wake up when that one alarm goes off. Imagine having six alarms, Russell, and sleeping through them all. Do you know, if you're really, really tired, it must be possible. No. I've done it before. No, Not don't. Not 6 but I've done it before with one. Thank you very much, Russell. Away you go.
12: Um, anti-clockwise M25, Ian, is closed. Junctions 25 to 24, so from the A10 to Potter's Bar, a lorry caught fire overnight it was carrying fruit and vegetables i'm not sure that's relevant to the story but it's the fact um and uh, so that causing queues from junction 26 at waltham abbey they're diverting traffic down the a10 uh, into london and across the north circular and back out on the a1 uh, so causing long delays even at this time of the morning you can see on the speed sensors there are queues as a result of that other local routes thankfully seem to be doing all right train services are pretty good so far russell holding bbc three counties radio
2: russell thank you very much 617 it's friday yay the 6th of September. I'm Ian Lee, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nurses and midwives across the three counties are set to have their performance checked every three years. After the death of one of its workers in Hertfordshire, a construction firm has been fined £165,000. And in sport, Andy Murray's out of the US Tennis Open after losing in straight sets to number nine sl- seed Stanislas Vavrinka. The weather, much cooler at last, without breaks of a Occasionally heavy rain, top temperature of 19 degrees. 08459 455 555, BBC Three Counties Radio.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio. Roberto Peroni on BBC Three Counties Radio.
13: If you're at home, sit back as this... Is going to be very, very interesting. You've got the selfie, the legsy, the bumsy. (laughs)
3: You're going to start that trend. Roberto (laughs) Peroni. We seem to be heading um, headlong into war
14: again.
15: We're very keen to stop this from happening.
14: We don't know where this might lead. The lie that took us into the Iraq war could become a shocking truth in this one.
3: Roberto Peroni. Weekdays from three on BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: This doesn't get played on the radio very often, so I thought I'd sneak it in. You don't know what it is yet, do you? Ah, that lot. When they went all druggy. singing along at the end there, and I enjoyed that thoroughly. Hey, we need more affordable housing. Well, that's the verdict from the National Housing Federation, which is warning that unless we get it, children could be stuck at home far longer than most parents ever bargained for. My boys are out on the day they're 18. See ya! (laughs) See ya! Well, it says around a quarter of parents have an adult child still living with them because property is just too expensive to buy. We can speak now to Claire Asprey from Bedfordshire, who's from the National Housing Federation, which carried out the research. Morning, Claire. Good morning. The nature of things means that that children are supposedly meant to fly the nest, but what have you found? Well,
16: our research showed what we sort of knew already, which is that because housing is so expensive... More and more people can't afford to leave home, um, and what the research showed is actually across all parents with adult children, that's between ages of 21 and 40, around 90% of those people said that housing, you know, the cost of housing was a problem, and around a third of, ha- of those um, parents had older children at home.
2: What um, kind of ages are we talking about here, Claire? How long are people staying at home these days?
16: Well, we haven't got figures on that, but we have, well, our research covered people who had children between the ages of 21 and 40. Yeah, and we've got examples of people where they've got, you know, three children in their 20s still at home. Yeah, oh you know, people of 28 and 22 still sharing a childhood bedroom because they can't afford to move out. And that puts strain on family life. Obviously... For some parents, it's fine, and, you know, there are many who say, you know, it keeps them close as a family. But for a good proportion, around a fifth, say, you know, it does cause stress and tension. And around a tenth, say, it's caused them to get into debt, which is a real worry, because obviously, you know, that's like the most affordable approach for, for that family to live, and it's yet still causing more debt.
2: How many properties do you think the UK is short by?
16: Well, we have been not building enough homes every year for a very long period of time, and we were undersupplying by maybe 100,000 homes a year. It's very substantial. And what's happened is we had a baby boom back in the 80s. Those children are now the ones in you know, their young adulthood. We just didn't build the homes that those children needed while they were growing up, and that's what's partly causing this terrible crisis. And the worry is we've had another baby boom recently, so we've got another 15 or 20 years before we see it worse in a game because we know that there's you know, more children growing up. But what well, you know this because you can see there's a primary school crisis right mm. now and that's your kind of 10-15 year warning that you know, we're going to have the same sort of thing with housing in, in that period of time.
2: When new estates are built, developers used to, by law, have to build a certain number of affordable social properties within them. But that that rule has gone now, hasn't it?
16: No, no, that still exists, and there is still an enthusiasm to build new homes. So it's very important that that affordable housing comes through on those estates, because it's much, um, you know, lots of the affordable housing that comes through in this part of the world happens as part of that uh, kind of planning process, although... Because of the, the, state, the state of the housing market, the government relaxed the rules temporarily on some of that, so the, oh. the numbers of affordable houses have sometimes been negotiated down. But fair play to local authorities, who are very keen to see new affordable homes come forward. They have made sure that that stays robust and they, they, they do push for affordable homes where they can. But. We aren't, we aren't building enough of anything, um, you know, if you're going to get a portion of a development that's for affordable housing and there aren't enough of the developments coming through, you've got not enough open market housing, you've got not enough rented housing, you've not enough affordable housing of any kind, uh, and that's what's really sitting behind the crisis.
2: Planning permission has just been granted for over 5,000 new homes in Houghton Regis. Things are happening, but are they happening too slow?
16: Yeah, there is a problem, and there are sites with planning permission that haven't been developed, and that's also a problem. And I know that local councillors find that incredibly frustrating. Yeah, what we're saying is, you know, it's it's important that those planning permissions get given and it's important that that comes through and we want communities to have a voice on this. That's why we launched the Yes to Homes campaign because we think that quite often people who are really well housed have a voice and people who really need somewhere to live don't have a voice. So they can go to yes 2 register their interest and make sure that their voice is heard when those planning decisions are made at local councils because it's really important that communities get the right homes at the right prices in the right places.
2: Claire, thank you very much indeed. Claire Asprey from Bedfordshire, from the National Housing Federation. Well, the the, the quest this morning... Can we find the oldest child living at home with their parents? Oh, wait, she she was saying they're between 21 and 40. Have you got a 40-year-old living with you? I I don't believe it. I don't believe that within the Three Counties region uh, that parents have a 40-year-old living with them. I don't believe it. That isn't happening. So let's lower our sights slightly. Let's start... Um, OK, this is a reasonable figure. Have anybody Has anybody listening to this got the, uh, children of 25? 25, 25 years old living with them. 08459 nine four double Let's find the oldest child living at home with their parents. I refuse to accept that there will be a 40-year-old living with their parents in the three counties. It can't, that cannot be happening. That cannot be happening. 08459 five nine four 629, let's get the travel with Russell. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Well, the latest on the M25, and they've managed to get the outside lane open past the scene of this uh, accident. There's a lorry caught fire overnight, so anti clockwise, two out of three lanes closed between junctions 25 and 24 from the A10 to Potters Bar, though it had been closed for most of the night. but uh, So there's still queues from around junction 26 or Waltham Abbey, but at least they're now allowing traffic uh, past the scene. Um, other local routes seem all right. At the moment, I'm certainly not aware of anything particularly significant uh, to report from looking at the speed sensors. Mind you, the London Coney roundabout's beginning to busy up off Junction 21A of the uh, M25.
2: Russell Holding, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Russell. Well, Kelly Betts was late and she turned up. Well done. Serena Farrow was late. I don't know if she's here or not. Let's find out. Across beds, hearts and bugs.
3: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
17: Can I just say I was here about a minute too So technically I got here But thankfully Tara was great And she did the news Anyway,
2: That's your lead story, is it? Let's
17: move on. Right, nurses and midwives this morning across the three counties are set to have their performance checked every three years. Elsewhere after a metal crane collapsed, killing a man in Hertfordshire, a construction firm's now been fined for not having sufficient safety measures in place. Meanwhile, a worker has been found guilty of neglect to care home in Bedfordshire. They'll be sentenced later on today. And the contents of three newly discovered tombs will be uncovered by archaeologists in Hemel Hempstead later on this morning. So that's all the news. Now let's move on to the morning sport.
6: Three Counties Sports.
17: BBC Three Counties Radio. Tennis first and it's disappointing. Andy Murray's out of the US Open. That's after losing in straight sets to number 9 seed Stanislas Roinka. The defending champion was beaten 6-4-6-3-6-2 in the quarterfinals. Football and Southampton's Ricky Lambert will make his first international start in England's World Cup qualifier against Moldova tonight. Lambert actually replaces the injured Daniel Sturridge, who was withdrawn from Hodgson's squad with a thigh injury. Meanwhile, England under-21s actually played last night. They beat Moldova 1-0 in Reading in Gareth Southgate's first game in charge. So locally let's look ahead to tomorrow's fixtures and MK dons welcome Swindon to Stadium MK in the day's early kick-off. Manager Carl Robinson will make changes after resting players for the midweek Johnston paint trophy win against Northampton. Central midfielder Darren Potter's likely to return after having more important things than football to think about.
18: Potter's not been in today. Uh, he had his little girl yesterday morning so it was uh, good for him and his family. It was good news and obviously the, the group's pleased for him. Yeah, he back into training tomorrow and ready to rock and roll for, uh, for Saturday morning and the rest of them on Stephen Gleason's looking hungry he was disappointed in being brought out but it was for the right reasons mm. and I think the group will be uh, excited
17: Turning to Stevenage now a manager there Graham Wesley believes his squad have gelled quicker than they thought they would the Borough are at Trammere their improved form since the beginning of the season has certainly impressed the boss
5: Probably been a bit quicker than I thought in, in my heart of hearts I'd have loved to have thought that um, we could just come together and be magical straight away but When you're bringing lads to a new level, bringing them up from the conference and up from League 2, it takes time for them to adjust. So um, the learning phase was always going to be tough, and uh, I'm surprised how quickly they've come together, to be honest.
17: In League Two, Wickham are at Pool in the conference. Luton have a late kick-off at home to Grimsby. That's at 5.30. Finally, in cricket, England face Australia in the first one-day international at Headingley. Standing captain Morgan says the players have been rewarded for their efforts. That's despite having many of their key test players absent. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me, that's for definite, at 7.
2: And your ex- we heard that Kelly Betts slept through her six alarms. Your excuse, Serena?
17: So... Now remember, I'm a, I'm a bit different because I'm not a full timer Am I? I'm not trying to make excuses here. So I've been at a different station, right. many miles away from here. Right. So I've been thinking about that. Blah blah blah. Actually, I've been quite. Few, actually, I worked at three no, different stations. No, in no, the no, past no, no. Couple I, don't of days. Your, I don't want your CV.
2: Anyway, why are you late?
17: And essentially, I'm here all next week, so that's right, good okay, news. Okay, that's
2: great. That's, that's great but news. Why were my, you late today? It's in like interviewing <laughs> one of those stupid counsellors. Why were you late today? In
17: my brain, I was thinking, oh yes, I'm at three counties all next week, right? And I completely forgot about the friend, And because I didn't consult my diary, this is why you should consult the diary every single night before your head hits the pillow. That's it.
2: Okay, so Kelly's excuse was she slept through her at 6 o'clock. No, hours. I didn't sleep through your, it. Your excuse is because you're an idiot?
17: I will not go that far. It's a little bit harsh. How far would you go? A little bit harsh. I mean, how many times am I late? Quite
2: often it turns out. <laughs> Serena, thank you. 08459. She's not an idiot. That's
6: harsh. 555. BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Idiot's a little bit harsh. I, I will go with Silly Sausage. 08459. 455. 555. Princess Diana. Should we just leave her alone? There's a new film out. It's got terrible reviews. The biggest celebrity at the premiere last night, there were two of them Vanessa Feltz and Connie Huck. Uh, yeah, exactly. That kind of says it all. Should we not just leave Princess Diana alone now? Lady die, uh, And also, can we find the oldest child living at home with their parents? 08459 four double five five double five. Hey, petrol's expensive, isn't it? Oh, it's gone back up again, just under 140. Have you had to make sacrifices to keep your car topped up with petrol? Well, the AA has found that rising prices are pushing more people into debt or forcing them to borrow from family or friends. And in some extreme cases encouraging them to pawn their belongings. Paul Waters is from the AA. Good morning, Paul. Hello. Good morning. Uh, Pawning their goods, it's not many people doing this, but it it, it does show how extreme things have got, isn't it?
19: Yes, that's right. Um, If you look into the research, we've got about a third of people who say they can't cope with um, the high price of fuel, Um, so um, the others can. But of those who can't cope with the high price, um, round about 16% have had to raid savings, owe money to the bank... Pawn possessions or take out a payday loan, even so, it is pushing some people into um, you know into debt, and that's quite a serious problem.
2: I guess if it means keeping a job, mm-hmm. then then people will will do whatever they can because there aren't that many jobs around. A- absolutely right, and
19: sometimes you have to travel to get the work these days. And uh, we was reading we were reading on one blog that someone um, a student got their first job and, and they were doing a very high mileage, um, didn't tell their parents and ha- went to a payday lender. Um, and got into a vicious circle of debt that they were very scared about and um it's very sad you know it's they're starting out on life first job the car's important they need the fuel um and they're desperate and that that's a a very worrying situation and that's because of the price blips we've seen we've seen three or four periods when fuel prices have risen by five pounds a tank over the last 12 months
2: and that's quite a lot interesting figures um but this isn't going to achieve anything this survey is it the government aren't going to b- th- listen to a survey from the aa well no i mean i think we're
19: highlighting the, the lack of fuel price transparency we're, we're, we're highlighting the speculation that goes on in the market that causes these price spikes that budgets can't cope with and um certainly we're delighted the chancellor's held back on duty rises for the last two and a half three years which is a good thing um but uh, yeah it's it's an issue and i think I think prices um, shouldn't be so volatile, and that's um, something that w- we've been campaigning
2: on for some time. Is there anything realistically, Paul, that can be changed, though? A lot of it is, is uh, duty on the, the fuel put on by the government, uh, and the rest of it is, is petrol companies making money. We, we can't really do anything to change either of those, can we? Well we can I think
19: because we've had an inquiry from the OFT into forecourt prices and that's deemed that the market is fair. Um, we haven't had an inquiry into the markets and the speculation that goes on. There have been in some internal investigations but certainly it's the, um, the speculators who only, only the other day we were looking in the paper that um, speculators are now working on the hurricane season in, in, in the Gulf of Mexico which also puts the prices up and they were disappointed that it's been a very um, low hurricane risk season so far this year year, um, and that's because they can't
2: drive the price of commodities
19: up, and that's quite
2: worrying. I, I will get, I know because I've done this before, I will get uh, um, petrol store owners phoning up saying, well, hang on a second, I only make one pence a litre. I'm making hardly any money out of it at all. We can't squeeze those guys, can we? Well, not really.
19: The, the margins are very small. Um, drivers should shop around. That's what we advise. Um, and also, um, they should look out for the uncompetitive sites because there are some that, that don't price competitively, that relying on a, on a forced trade, as it were, um, You know, price uh, even just five miles away, can be so different to um, the town that you're in and so drivers need to be cautious of those stations that charge too much.
2: Paul Waters from the AA, thank you very much indeed. Well it is expensive petrol isn't it but uh, but we kind of have to accept it. Hey here's a tip, slow down. I'm back to driving at 60 on the motorway again partly because I've got a few points the other. Okay, but driving at 60, oh I save, how much do I save? It's, it's hard. I reckon I save about seven, eight quid a week petrol because I do, I do about 80 miles a day. It's quite a lot of miles. Sorry, my producer Tara just tripped up. Then I, I tried not to laugh. Um, th- th- I reckon I say about seven quid a week petrol. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. On the subject, wow, really? On the su- no, this can't be true. On the subject of older children living with their parents, Ian, my younger brother is forty-two and still lives with my parents. Sad, don't you think? Can't afford to rent and can't get a council house. Um, And who's this? My 43-year-old brother... Lives with my parents. He has a full-time job, but only earns in the region of 15k a year and can't afford his own property. 08459 oh, four double five five double five. Hang on a second. Don't, 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 t- Tara, Tara, put your headphones on. D- these statistics are better than uh, me reading them out in my grumpy voice. It needs to be done in your sprightly young voice. What, what, what is this you're typing on my screen?
0: Well, my husband was having a chat with a mechanic the other day who was very into telling him all about petrol usage. Oh, yes. And uh, he was saying to him, "It's a very hot day. Yeah. And he was saying, right, if you're going about 70, yeah. if you turn your aircon on, you use about 20% more petrol. Really? Because most people, when the, unless you've got a super duper car, yeah. but if you press your aircon button, the car practically stops. On
2: most cars, do, I do like it cold in the car, though.
0: Well, twenty percent more right. petrol. I'll, if you've I'll got turn it off on. and
2: I'll, I'll have the window open yeah. instead.
0: Uh, what? Fifteen percent more petrol. The How drag is... the drag.
2: Oh, for goodness' sake! Is there nothing we can do these days? Ah, it's broken Britain. You open the window, you use fifteen percent more petrol. I know. Let's all just sit in the car and, and suffer, shall we? Mm. I like the car, nice and cold. Icy cold. It annoys my wife. That's partly why I like it. Oh 08459 five, 455 double, 555 Here's a gentleman who can have, afford to have the aircon on even when he's not in the car. Multimillionaire Rod Stewart.
20: I didn't know what day it was when you walked into the room I said hello unnoticed You said goodbye too soon The clientele Spinning yarns That were so lyrical I really must confess Right here The attraction was Purely physical I took all of yours that in the beginning were hard to accept Your fashion says Beards, lip prints upward put down to experience and The big bosom lady with a Dutch accent who tried to change my point of view Her ad lip lines were Well rehearsed but my heart cried out for you You're in my heart, you're in my soul You'll be my breath should I grow You are my lover, you're my best friend You're in my soul My love for you is immeasurable my respect for you immense. You're ageless, timeless, lace and fineness, your beauty and elegance. You're a rhapsody, a comedy, you're a symphony and a play. You're every love song ever written, but honey, what? Schoolboy's dream You're Celtic United But baby I've decided You're the best team I've ever seen And there have been Many affairs Many times I've to leave But I bite my lip and turn around Cause you're the warmest thing I've ever found
2: three counties radio trying to find the oldest child living with their parents well so far i didn't think we'd find anybody 40 plus we've got a 42 year old and a 43 year old living with mum and dad oh wow really really my wife's half greek the greek boys in her family they all live with their parents until they're about 35 because the Greek mums love the boys. Oh, the boys are the centre of their universe. 08459 four double five five double five is the telephone number. If you want to give us a call, you can send me a text, 81333. Start your text 3C. All right, it's 6.45. Let's get the travel with Russell. Travel news for beds, cards and bugs.
12: BBC Three Counties Radio. Well, The M25 is still down to a single lane anti-clockwise in between junctions 25 and 24, so from the A10 to Potter's Bar, after a lorry carrying fruit and vegetables caught fire overnight. I don't think that the fruit and vegetables were uh, saved, unfortunately. I don't think that they came out of it particularly well. Uh, The motorway was completely closed for about six hours. You can get past the scene, but there are still queues back past junction 26 at Waltham Abbey. It doesn't look like there's a huge amount else to report, to be honest. The M1 moving okay so far. A1M uh, doing all right, even at Stevenage.
2: I'm sure it won't take long for that to build up. Russell Holding, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Russell. Right, 6.46, it's Friday the 6th of September. I'm Ian Lee. These are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Changes are ahead for nurses and midwives across the three counties as there are plans to check their performance every three years. After a metal crane collapsed, killing a man in Hertfordshire, a construction firm has been fined for not having sufficient safety measures in place. And in sport, Annie Murray's defence of his US Open title is over, as he was beaten in the quarterfinals by Stanislas Vavrinka. 08459 455 555. Coming up, we'll find out more about uh, the older children living with their parents. But before that, let's get the weather with Elizabeth Rattini.
8: It's Hearts and Bucks weather.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio.
8: Hello, very good morning to you. Some big changes for us today across the three counties weather-wise. Uh, we're going to see some outbreaks of rain. We've already got plenty of them. The main rain band is just now pushing into parts of Buckinghamshire, so it's going to turn a bit wetter there a bit later on um, through this hour. And then uh, the rain band's just pushing its way further eastwards, so lots of wet weather around through this morning's rush hour, lasting into the afternoons parts of Hertfordshire, and then it should turn a little bit drier and brighter, I think, over Buckinghamshire, western areas of Bedfordshire as we get into the afternoon perhaps some brightness developing here the showers though never too far away so don't count on it being completely dry for the end of the day. Temperatures though much cooler than yesterday we're only looking at 17 or 18 degrees Celsius that's uh, just 64 in Fahrenheit so somewhere along the line we've lost a good 10 degrees in Celsius. Overnight tonight mostly dry, a few showers certainly the possibility of them. It will be a cooler night tonight with temperatures dipping to around 11 or 12 degrees Celsius and over the weekend well there's going to be lots of dry and bright weather actually with a good few spells of sunshine the risk of one or two showers at times certainly you will want to cater for that but i think for the most part it is looking dry it's just looking cooler than it was earlier on in the week temperatures only up to around 18 degrees that's the forecast
2: thank you elizabeth
8: Chetan Partook on
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: On Sunday night, I'll be live from one of the East of England's biggest Asian music events. Luton Mela is in its 13th year, and if you can't make it yourself, I'll bring it all to you. It all comes from Wardown Park, and you'll be able to soak up the atmosphere of Luton's biggest Asian party. Come down and meet us, or we'll get the whole experience right here.
3: Chetan
21: Partook.
2: Live from Luton Mela, Sunday night from 6 on BBC. BBC Three Counties Radio. I'm hungry. <clears throat> no, I, no, I don't want that, that. Banana's too green for me. I uh, didn't make sandwiches today. I didn't th- look at the uh, the end. It's a bit green. The, other, the, the end, the end. Yeah, look at that. That's too green. That means that's a hard banana. No one wants a hard banana. Well, no. Anyway, uh, I didn't have any uh, cheese in, so I couldn't make any sandwiches today. And I'm, I'm 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 already feeling anxious about it. I may have to buy something. I'm going into Luton later. Did you just take a picture of that banana. <laughs> <laughs> to use evidence. Take a picture, turn it around, take a picture of the green tip. The, that green, that massive green bit. Goodness sakes. But Ban- the thing, I, I'm not keen on bananas because they're ripe for 20 minutes. That's it. They're either green, 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 hard, hard, hard. Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's gone all black now. Green, 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 hard, hard, hard. Oh, it's fine. It's gone all black now. That's a banana's life cycle. BBC Introducing is a show where you don't get the life cycle of bananas discussed, and I think it's to their detriment. It's on BBC Three Counties Radio, supporting unsigned and upcoming musicians from Beds, Hearts and Bucks. The introducing team here send the music up to be played on national stations like Radio 1, Radio 2, and Six Music. And quite a few of the uh, local acts have managed to get on those stations. So if you or your child or your grandchild is making music and you think, um, I wish they'd take that racket somewhere else, well, then they can upload it to bbc.co.uk forward slash introducing. That's what the Y Birds did. They are a three piece rock and roll band from Bedford. They've recorded a song called The Cure. Let's have a listen. getting about this banana a series of uh, it's like your 12th photograph leave it the banana is too green and hard not my favourite fruit don't like oranges either oh look now she's getting other people involved to hold it for her you are I bet she's this producer Tara's doing this by the way I bet she's sending it to her husband or her lawyer or her line manager. Look what the idiot said today. He said this banana wasn't ripe. Can we get him sacked now? Can we get a gang to meet him in the car park when he comes in at four o'clock in the morning? Uh, that was the Why Birds. They're from Bedford and their song uh, The Cure. You can hear more music from the three counties uh, on BBC introducing every Saturday evening from eight o'clock. Uh, I'm busy then, so do let me know how it goes. Front pages of the newspapers, The Times. Cameron lines up Merkel to curb migrant benefits. David Cameron has made curbing migrants' access to British benefits a key demand in negotiations with Brussels before a referendum. Um, And uh, Putin puts Obama on back foot. Wow, really. The Daily Telegraph. The Telegraph is becoming more and more like The Star with their kind of tabloid front-page stories. front-page today, Stepping into the Shoes of Diana. Naomi Watts arrives for the world premiere of Diana at the Odeon Leicester Square, London, last night. The film centres on the last two years of the life of Diana, that harlot, princess of Wales, who died in 1997. Um, uh, mm, Only about 200 people turned up for the red carpet event, and the two biggest stars there were Vanessa Feltz and Connie Huck. The fact I have one of those women's telephone numbers tells you just, you know, how... uh, Connie Huck, yes, of course. I think I deleted it, actually. Uh, Fifty Shades, too many pile up in charity shops. Charity shops claim to have amassed a a paper mountain of unwanted copies of Fifty Shades of Grey. Would you really want to read a second-hand copy of Fifty Shades of Grey? Just imagine. Well, don't imagine too hard. Well, there you go. The erotic novel by E.L. James, which will shortly be made into a film, has sold more than five million copies in Britain, but it will appear that readers are getting bored. Cancer Research UK said as soon as it sold one copy, two more were brought in. Rona Coulter, the charity's books manager, said nobody wants it anymore Secondhand dealers told of a similar problem Ben Wadsworth of webuybooks.co.uk said it's becoming a paper mountain A steamy, sweaty paper mountain of duct tape and um, cable ties The Independent, is that Dan Aykroyd on the front? I don't know it's a, it's a man dressed up in Russian gear I don't think it is Dan Aykroyd, but it looks like him Dan Aykroyd, the, the unfunniest comedian in the world? I think we can all agree with that uh, Labour says taxpayers may have to pay more for political parties. Labour is threatening to impose a five thousand pounds cap on individual donations to political parties, and hand them more taxpayers' money instead. I beg your pudding. What? Get your hands off of my tax money. Labour in trouble because uh, one of the big uh, organisations that paid them, I think, something like one point five million pounds, is now saying, "Yeah, we're going to pay you a hundred thousand pounds." Sorry. Uh, we don't want close ties with the union, so we're going to pay you less. Okay. Right. A oh, banana gate. At what point do you call an incident? Can you um, put the word gate at the end of an incident? It used to be uh, a couple of weeks. Now it's literally within minutes. Sandra on Facebook says she normally likes her bananas a bit greener, but that's just her. Local radio. <laughs> it's true. But we can continue the banana debate. It does annoy me, banana. Oh, she's eating it. Chomp, chomp, chomp. A really tough chomp, but she's not enjoying it, but she's going to pretend she's enjoying it. Chomp, chomp. It's not soft enough to eat, but I'm going to pretend it's soft enough to eat. Just to prove him wrong. Idiot. How's your banana, Tara? Nice? <laughs> there we go, she's enjoying it, you see? The, gar- <laughs> the Guardian. Is it alright? She's enjoying it. She's not. She's claiming she's enjoying it to prove a point. That's how that's how churlish she can be. The Guardian exclusive. How do you like your bananas? 08459 455, four double five five double five. I suspect I can I can hear the Jonathan Vernon Smith team upstairs going. Drop everything. Forget forget getting the, the police and crime commissioner in. Forget um, the, the, that that silly woman who went to the jungle. Bananas. We're doing bananas. We'll find out what the front page of the Guardian saying a little bit later on. But before that, let's get the travel with Russell. <laughs> Travel news for beds, cards and bugs.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio. How
2: do you like your bananas, Russell? Um, just kind of like... A banana? <laughs> Do you like them green or black or yellow? Yellow is better. Thank you very much indeed. Yeah. away you go, sir. M twenty five. It was closed
12: for just over six hours overnight after a lorry caught fire. They've got the outside lane open anti clockwise past the scene. It's junctions twenty five to twenty four. So from the A ten uh, to Potter's Bar. Long delays. So the queue's now back to junction twenty seven, Ian. That's the M eleven, and it's queuing into London on the M eleven. If you're thinking of trying to avoid things by going that way. Also slow anti clockwise seventeen to sixteen from Maple Cross to the M forty. The local routes okay so far. Russell holding BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: Russell, thank you very much indeed. Well, lots for you to get involved in. Oh, wait, 459, 455, 555. Would you go and see the new Princess Diana film? Have you stopped reporting crimes to the police? Have you got old children living with you? And do you like green bananas? It's a lot, isn't it? Take your pick. Take your pick. Why not?
17: seven o'clock, I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, changes abreast for nurses in the three counties, neglect by care home worker in Bedfordshire, and MPs want improvements to the civil service. BBC Three Counties Radio. Nurses and midwives across the three counties are set to have their performance checks every three years. The nursing regulator is to recommend it. The plans from the Nursing and Midwifery Council are partly based on feedback from patients after the failings at Stafford Hospital. for well, the director of the Royal College of Nursing... Tom Sanford, welcomes the plan which may be introduced by the end of 2015.
14: We need a system that applies to nurses wherever they work across the many different care systems. It creates a system of making sure that training and development happens. When nurses are under pressure, it's very, very easy for training and development to be the thing that gives in the system. And revalidation makes sure that that doesn't happen.
17: Now, after a man died when part of a metal crane collapsed in Hertfordshire, a firm's been fined. 57-year-old Nigel Sewell was working at the time. Leigh Agnew has the details.
1: Mr Sewell, who came from St Neards, was working on the Thames Water-Lee Tunnel project when the accident happened. He was part of a team assembling a tri-mast, a metal structure used to install hoists on tall structures. Universal Builders Supply Limited was found guilty of three safety breaches after a trial at Peterborough Crown Court. They've been ordered to pay £165,000 in fines and costs.
17: Meanwhile, a worker who's been found guilty of neglect at a care home in Bedfordshire will be sentenced later on. 38-year-old Jackie Nerdrow fell asleep on the job at the Limes in Henlow while an elderly man was left collapsed on the floor. Another worker who swept the floor around him is being hunted by police after he didn't answer bail. Tony Blair's dismissed the idea it was the failure to find weapons of mass destruction in Iraq which led MPs to vote against an attack on Syria. He says the problems following the invasion had made Britain reluctant to intervene again in the Middle East. Well Mr Blair says politicians here and overseas should consider what might happen if they don't intervene.
22: You will have a, an Assad dominated state and that means uh, in this instance an Iran dominated state probably around the borders of of Lebanon and controlling most of the wealth of of Syria and then you'll have a larger geographical hinterland to to the east that will be controlled by various Sunni groups, most of whom are likely in these circumstances to be extreme.
17: A new free school for older pupils opens at Wootton in Bedfordshire today. Kimberley College will specialise in science, technology, engineering and even mathematics. And MPs are calling for a radical shake-up of the civil service. The Public Administration Select Committee says there may be more of what it calls periodic disasters and shambles in government if it doesn't reform sport, Then now and Andy Murray's out of the U.S. Open. Unfortunately, the Swiss player Stanislas Roenke dashed the Scots chances of defending his Grand Slam title after beating him in straight sets in the quarterfinals. And finally, the weather much cooler than it was yesterday. Temperatures around 19 degrees Celsius, even a spot of rain later on. Get the latest news and sport online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties.
2: I see what you did there. Do you like it? Yeah, I do like it. Because when he's winning, he's British, he lost, he's Scottish.
17: It's just a minor technicality.
2: It's true, when he wins, he's British, when he loses, ah, Scottish tennis player Andy Murray. This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. I can only apologise in advance. There's a certain Friday feeling about the show today. We're all loosening our ties and slipping off our uh, tight shoes, perhaps a few hours too early. So, you know, if it sounds less professional than normal... Well, well, it's tough, to be honest. That's what you're going to get. We'll do our best. We'll soldier on until 9 o'clock in JVS. Coming up in the next hour, a study has found that women are not reporting rape... Because of a lack of faith in the legal system. And a caller to this show yesterday said they wouldn't bother going to the police if they were a victim of crime, as nothing would be done. Well, have you lost faith in the police? We need more affordable housing. That's the verdict from the National Housing Federation, which is warning that uh, unless we get it, children could be stuck at home forever. Can we find the oldest child still living at home with their parents in beds, hearts and bugs? Can you believe it? We've had a 42 and a 43-year-old. And with a new film about Princess Diana being released, I ask, isn't it time we left Diana alone? Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me uh, a text, 81333. Start your text, 3CR. The best way, of course, though, is to give me a call. Lots of phone calls this week. It's more fun that way, I think, for all of us. 08 459 455 555. 08 459 455 555.
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Is it always worth reporting a crime? A study has found that women are not reporting rape because of a lack of faith in the legal system. 16% of women surveyed said they had been raped, but only a fifth of those reported it to the police. But what about less serious crimes? Are these being reported? Are there enough police available for you to be listened to? Well, we asked people in Milton Keynes what they thought.
5: Well, I think with other people, like not yourself, you should, but with like yourself, like I've been through stuff like not that long ago with the police and they wasn't really helpful at all and I don't think it helps also like on the news they were saying like oh they don't deal with like 60% of the cases that are put forward to them they don't really deal with them I think well where's the justice you know there's people I know they may not be as um the instance might not be as big as other instances but they should still help considering you know what could have happened so I think it's Pretty wrong at the end of the day, but yes, I would report a crime
7: if I saw one. Yeah, definitely, of course, if I saw a crime going on, definitely I have to report it. Crimes begin at a very small stage and it develops. I wouldn't think twice to hesitate. It depends really
9: on, on some circumstances, I guess, if people are in danger. Um, but yeah, I think I wouldn't hesitate to call the police at all. No, no way. I mean, obviously, it's some circumstances, some things, they don't, don't always, you know not always here on time or something like that but people can be a bit nitpicky really but I would have faith yeah I would have faith in, in them responding. Well,
10: I'd be nervous to do it in case uh, you know if I said to the wrong to call the police or they knew I was going to call the police whether they might you know come at me but I do think that it should be reported if we do know it but as uh, so long as I'm in a decent area then I would. I totally wouldn't face them not with what you're here today.
1: Uh, as long as you do it Quietly and selectively. When you uh, get to my age, you're not going to step in, are you? The reaction at the other end can be strange sometimes. Strange. Well, <laughs> it's all themselves.
2: Well, that's people in Milton Keynes. Joined now by Norman Brennan, who spent more than 30 years working with the police force and is a spokesperson on police issues. Morning, Norman. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's worth people reporting crimes these days?
23: Well, it is really. I mean, I understand uh, those calls and I, I've, uh, I've heard similar stories uh, myself and I, I certainly have the same sort of feeling now I'm a member of the public. But the thing is, what I remember many years ago, people used to say to me, ah, oh, there was, you know, 15, 20 burglaries in this area. The police are no good. They don't turn up, you know, blah, de, blah, de, blah. And I used to say, did you report it? And I said, no, nah, I didn't bother. Well, the thing is, is if I was the local superintendent in that area and I had, say, for example, uh, six burglaries a week in, for example, Milton Keynes, and that was the normal, I would put the resources that I would normally put there. However... If it had gone up that week or that month from, say, 6 to 13, 15, I would then ensure that there were extra resources put there. And that's what they do, you see. You you have a meeting on the Monday morning. You look at the crime patterns that's happened. So if everybody's complaining that uh, the police are no good, they never turn up, they're never there, but you don't report the crime in the first place, then, you know, you're partly to blame if you report the crime and the police are no good, they don't turn up and they don't do it, then, of course, you've certainly got a point to make.
2: You say that the police would, if burglary, for example, went up, that the police would employ or or, or use uh, more resources in that area. Have they got the extra resources, Norman? We're hearing constantly about the cuts being made to the police force in terms of money and in terms of staff. Can they, you know, throw a load of coppers on one street for a week or so?
23: Yeah they they can and I do see both sides of it and it is really like that sadly but um you know the thing is we do have a lot more technology now I mean I left 4 years ago after 31 years and the technology that they now have is absolutely phenomenal I mean all these cutbacks they are affecting well affecting everybody but you know when it comes to crime uh, you are entitled to be listened to you're entitled to have your crime taken seriously but where, where, the, where the resources are, they would bring them off, off of areas, they would obviously put a scaling of staff there, and they sometimes can put like CID officers that uh, would normally be in the office doing a bit of paperwork, doing some crime files, they'd say, well guys, let's leave that for a couple of days, and you get our initiatives, you you put a little team together, and when I was on the robbery squad for example, that's what we did, we actually looked at all the robberies, we looked at the patterns, we did local inquiries, we looked for CCTV, and we went out and targeted them, and there are police officers out there to do exactly that and you know the police are not there just to say right we've taken the phone call you know we're not really interested We let's go back down the canteen and have another cup of tea you know that is a fallacy
2: well that is the case with with, with, when my car was broken into for example uh, and i've heard this from other people that kind of is the case they're not going to come out and dust for prints on a car you you phone the police just so you have got a crime number for the insurance that's right what, right. when, when was car crime downgraded to not bothering to send someone out?
23: I'd say a decade or two ago. Um, I remember when I had my car stolen. Um, I mean, I must admit, I, I got mine uh, fingerprinted because I was a police officer. And the reason why Ah,
2: that- Norman.
23: No, no, because at the end of the day, you know, you didn't know where it was being targeted. Plus, there was also items in there as well, which uh, were, were quite sort of important um and i was talking that's about 20 20 years ago would they come out now i don't really think so or they might it just all depends what resources they've actually got but when you actually look at investigating crime if for example a pedal cycle has been stolen there is no witnesses there is no cctv what is that there you can do When I was on the robbery squad, as I said, robbery was a very serious crime. Maximum penalty, if you're convicted, is life. Of course, nobody ever gets that. But the minimum investigative standards that we had was that you went and you met the victim and you took a statement. Mm. There was no CCTV. If there was no witnesses and you did your local collatus check at the area uh, that the crime actually committed, you you had that statement on file. If... A year down the line, the M.O. was pretty much the same. Or we actually arrested somebody and they committed a a, a similar, identical crime then, of course, we may even put that crime to them and ask them about that. So it's always worth um, actually reporting the crime, even if you feel we haven't done something at that time. A, we'll know about something, there's problems happening, and B, there may be a time later when there is a chance of getting evidence that we can put it to somebody. And there are a lot of criminals that, well, not a lot, there are some criminals that when we do nick them, will sometimes admit to two or three dozen crimes, and that crime could be yours. And if it's no more than a satisfaction that the police, in some sort of way, roundabout way maybe, has actually done the job eventually that you wanted. But what we should do is spend a lot more time, I believe, on crimes where there is CCTV, where there is some sort of uh, backup evidence, where we're likely to get an arrest, rather than spending hundreds, if not tens tens of thousands of hours... Just literally taking crime reports but, where there's no
2: evidence to back up. Then Norman, then, so what what you're saying there kind of sounds like um, we'll do. We'll look at the crimes that we can solve, and that and would you can see how that would possibly erode some people's confidence in the police.
23: But that's what they do do at the moment. It's not as though they don't. They, 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 they're neglecting your crime. If you actually look at it in the cold light of day, if a crime is reported to you, and all you've got is the victim saying somebody stole my pedal cycle, somebody yeah. broke into my car. That is all you've got. How much resource would you, if you were a police officer, put on that? I certainly think that the, <clears throat> the individual should uh, receive a phone call. And sometimes, and in a lot of false areas, uh, a patrol car will, if they can, go round and actually sit down and speak with the victim. And they won't hang around long because, of course... As you know, there's not many on the beat. And, of course, as as soon as they can get back on the beat, there they are as a a visible deterrent. And, again, people complain that they're in cars. But when we're in cars, we can get somewhere quickly. And there were a number of times when people phoned 999 and I was in a patrol car one street away. And within 15 seconds, we were there and we arrested somebody. It doesn't happen a lot, but it could be you that makes that phone call and the police officer is just round the corner and that officer turning up as possibly saved somebody's life, save somebody from being further injured or actually arrested somebody that has committed the crime against you. It's a gamble but my advice to everybody listening to this programme, take it because we don't always get it right, but a lot of times we do.
2: Very quickly, Norm, because we're out of time, Jenny on Facebook raises a good point. Uh, th- th- it was highlighted yesterday how important it can be to report crime. She says Rachel Manning's murderer was caught after committing another crime. The victim didn't want to report it, but a witness did. So th- th- these things can sometimes Link up, can't they, and help with other crimes?
23: Oh, ab- absolutely. And uh, just to finish off on the final point, I remember certainly in London, on the um, London Underground systems, etc., a lot of pickpockets were working. Uh, even when my colleagues uh, actually arrested a suspect, in about 22% of the cases, the vict- even when we arrested somebody, we had the CCTV evidence and the rest of it, the victim refused to attend court. And that's not helpful either, because what do you think that individual that we've actually nicked thinks?
2: Why why were they refusing? Were they scared? Couldn't they be bothered?
23: various reasons. A lot of people don't like going to court.
2: No. Uh, Well, it's it's very intimidating. I've been to court. It is an intimidating place.
23: It it is, and I I think one of your uh, contributors earlier on said that he would be concerned if he reported the crime uh, that the suspect would come back. Well, do you know, rarely ever does that happen, but that is one of the myths that is used by a lot of people, not to report crime in the first place, and not to attend court. My advice is this. If you've got neighbours and people in your street that actually think that the same, then it, you won't feel so in frightened or intimidated to actually report that crime. And that's where the neighbourly spirit, the community spirit, moral fibre, and really not just respect for law and order, respect for each other, that has gone. If we started getting it back... People, people will feel a lot more, lot, lot more confident. And the final point I'd make, if that's okay, is I'm afraid a lot of our resources is spent. It's nicking the same people day in and day out. And these people that we put before the courts, magistrates, so often don't send them to prison. The Crown Prosecution Service often let the police down and the public down. So we're chasing our tails. So once we actually got that right, you'd have a lot more police hours on the streets and reassuring the public where we Join the police to do.
2: Norman, we've got to end it there. You've got my vote, definitely. Norman Brennan, thank you very much. Spent more than 30 years working with the police force. Spokesperson on police issues. Well, you heard what he had to say. What do you think? You convinced? Have you reported a crime in the past and been disappointed with the police response? Well, take stories on the other side as well. We have a few of those coming in that you've actually, the police have done a cracking job. And are you put off reporting crimes to the police? Why? Oh, 08459 five, 455 double, 555 double, 717 BBC Three Counties Radio we're a little bit late but uh, thanks for waiting here's the travel with Russell Travel news for beds, cards and bugs.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio. Well,
12: There are still long anti-clockwise delays on the M25, Ian, after a lorry caught fire overnight. The motorway was closed for over six hours. The outside lane is open past the scene between junctions 25 and 24 from the A10 to Potter's Bar, but the queues are pretty much back to junction 27, the turn for the M11, so uh, long delays there. Most other routes are actually doing all right. I mean, it's busying up a little bit here and there. The only other delay, really, the speed sensor suggests is the A4 one four each way towards the uh, roundabout at the A1081 at London Coney especially on the westbound side well, the M25 is also busying up a bit anti-clockwise junction 17 to 16 from Maple Cross to the M40 uh, nothing else on the roads. the trains are doing really well today, I've looked at all the counties, uh, the three counties departure boards, uh, the, I can see one two minute delay into one train at High Wickham and that's it, Russell Holding BBC Three
2: Counties Radio uh, I, I, Thank you Russell, the sigh wasn't meant for you, the sigh was meant for the fact that we've, we've put up some, a couple of big stories on the Facebook page Facebook.com/slash forward slash BBC3CR Princess Diana and the police—they've had, you know, a fair amount of response. Producer Tara puts put up one picture of a green banana. The, the, the internet virtually melts with you. Oh, I've got it! Oh, I've got it! Got an answer about that? Yeah, I like that banana. Oh no, I don't like that banana. For goodness' sakes. So we'll go through those comments in a little bit. It's Gosh, we're really running behind, aren't we? It's Friday, the 6th of September. I'm Inley, and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio. Nurses and midwives across the three counties are set to have their performance checked every three years. A henler woman who fell asleep, leaving an elderly man on the floor, will today be sentenced for neglect. And in sport, Southampton's Ricky Lambert will make his first international start in England's World Cup qualifier against Moldova tonight. The weather, much cooler, with outbreaks of occasionally heavy rain, top temperature... Of 19 degrees.
3: See Three Counties Radio.
16: This week on EastEnders. Mr.
2: Mitchell, can you hear me?
6: We need to get him out of here now.
16: Phil's been in an accident. His car crash life is really bad. A battle over business and love shows no signs of slowing down.
6: But well, when they searched the house, they found tools. You know, things needed to cut the brakes.
16: And in Albert Square, there's only room for one top dog. Let's
1: nice to do it, Matt. Phil, he's hanging on for dear life from what I've heard.
16: EastEnders.
1: I mean, it's obvious what's going on here, isn't it? Carl, stitching me up.
2: Tonight at 8, on BBC One and BBC One HD. Why? Uh, really, I mean, you do have to question. Uh, the, if the, the, oh, look, she's put so many different pictures of this flipping banana up on the, the Judy. Yes, yeah. Judy, Judy, Judy. She's put up two pictures of this banana on the Facebook page. I
24: haven't got that, my computer on, so I can't see the pictures, but I'm sure they're delightful.
2: Sandra says, I normally like it a bit greener, but that's just me. April says, yup, perfect. Darren, it's a little bit green at one end, but that wouldn't stop any other animal from eating it. And, oh, yeah. Anne-Marie, thank you at last. I'm with Ian on this one. It's not edible until it started getting a few brown spots on it. Also, I'm nice. glad you don't like oranges either. I can't stand them. Uh, Judy, what's, what's your take on bananas, please?
24: My take is, greener and harder and longer, the better.
2: Bananas, yeah? Yes. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Steady. (laughs) That's
24: what we're talking about. I
2: I certainly (laughs) hope so, for my career's sake. Um, Really? How can you like a green, hard banana? The
24: the trouble is, as you say, when they're ripe, they're right for only a split second. So you go yep. to work in the morning and they're green and you come back and they're all brown and mushy and horrible.
2: Yeah, you are right.
24: So they I... might as well eat them green because when they're brown and mushy you cannot eat them. They're horrible. I
2: um, I know there are starving children all around the world, but I have thrown bananas away because I've opened I them I've opened them too early, I've had a bite and got oh I can't eat this.
24: But you can make a nice banana cake with them. Or a banana
2: milkshake. Oh, but even, even... i tell you the thing I don't like about bananas. What's with all that stringy stuff? You know, the strings you get. What's that all about? I don't know. It's horrible. It is horrible. You
24: peel peel them off. Yes. And eat your banana.
2: Well, I know, I know. Nice and hard. (laughs) Judy. Yes. Judy, Judy. (laughs) Judy, What film is that from? Why am I saying that? Judy, Judy, Judy. No,
24: no, no, that's a misquote. He never said that.
2: Oh, what did he say? Is this Cary Grant?
24: Yeah. What did he say then? He just said Judy.
2: Then why why does everyone go Judy, Judy, Judy? It's a misquote. It's not a bad bad impression though, is it?
25: Mm.
2: Well. (laughs) (laughs) Judy, you're so not... Judy, Judy, Judy. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Sandra says on the, the banana, not ripe enough. Reg says, man up Lee and get it down your neck. And John Meeson, I think, sums up everybody's uh, feeling about the banana. Who cares? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear, oh, dear, oh, dear. Um. 455 four double five five double five. Hey, we need more affordable housing. That's the verdict from the National Housing Federation, which is warning that unless we get it, children could be stuck at home. Oh, we're going to do the. Sorry, we're going to do the police caller first. I do apologise. We're waiting for the guests on that. I, 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 well, I jumped ahead of myself a bit. Let's go to Richard in Dunstable talking about the police. Richard, good morning to you. <laughs> morning. I did not see you on my screen, sir. So I wasn't being rude. <laughs> That's perfectly all right. Can you do a Carry Grant impression? Who's Carry Grant? Excuse me? How old are you? You've got to be in your... You're 53, aren't you? Oh, I'm 67. 67? You don't know who... You don't know who Cary Grant is? Cary Grant
26: was an actor.
2: Yes. In in
26: my day, but I can't... um, Yeah, that's... can't
2: recall his voice to the top the Judy, top of Judy, Judy, what do you mean? What are we going to... Oh, my goodness, there is a murder taking place in the house opposite me. i better get my <laughs> no, camera no, no, out.
26: I must admit, I'm... I,
2: mm. <laughs> Archibald Leach. I'm
26: not a movie buff, and the last oh. time I went to the pictures was in 1973, I think, when Star Wars came out. Um, oh. I honestly, as I know, I'm not uh, a great... Uh, okay.
2: Well, Richard, you've called him about slightly more serious things than uh, than Archibald Leach. What, what is it you've called it? The police, isn't it?
26: Poli- poli- there is not enough police on the streets. Um, the people are right that they don't bother reporting crime because uh, they know there's not enough police on the streets. Uh, it's abhorrent that we are spending billions of pounds in foreign aid and what have you and cutting our police services because it's, after all, it's our money. But the fact is that uh, all these uh, these cuts are not doing us any
2: good. We have you things. reported a crime to the police, Richard?
26: yes. Yeah. Yes. And what happened? Uh, Not a great deal. One of the things that I remember, and and, and it's one of these things that I disagree with, uh, where where in the old days you used to phone your local, uh, say, down to Dunstable, and you would have a Dunstable person knowing the area, um, you know, in the local manner. I reported it, and it has to go up to Kempston these days. It was when they had all those people broke out of the detention centre at Yarlswood. Yes. And I am sure that I spotted three of them in an area where three uh, European people were not really, you know, (laughs) it was an odd area for them to be in. Yes. And because I couldn't actually describe the place exactly, and and, and I didn't have me um, sat down to give coordinates... The, the the operator up there didn't know what I was talking about, and nothing happened. But I'm sure it was part of these three illegal immigrants that had broken out. I was convinced about it.
2: And you're, the uh, police, what, the police said basically, well, well, thanks, but no thanks.
26: Well, they just they just you know in the end I couldn't describe it and. Uh, Um, the the negative vibes I was getting from the operator I just, I just, I thought I can't be bothered to ring back
2: Richard, thank you very much for that he was getting negative vibes from the police officers uh, uh, the police operator what do you think, really keen to get your stories good and bad, listen I don't want to do a let's knock the police show I, I, I want to get Europe. I want to see what the feeling is like, what the vibes are like, to uh, quote our last caller, from you, 08459 455 Now, back to that story that I was uh, so keen to get to. We need more affordable housing. That's the verdict from the National Housing Federation, which is warning that unless we get it, children could be stuck at home forever. It says around a quarter of parents have an adult child still living with them because property is just too expensive to buy. Separately, the government's trying to crack down on the unlawful subletting of social housing housing properties. It's estimated between 50,000 and 150,000 properties up and down the country are lived in by people who shouldn't be there. Well joining me now is Phil Morgan who is an independent consultant commentator and speaker on social housing. Phil thanks very much for uh, coming on the show this morning. What needs to be done to tackle social housing fraud?
19: Well, good morning.
27: Thanks very much for the invitation to come on the programme. Um, I think the proposals, uh, the bill that was now into an act by Richard Harrington, the local MP, is excellent. Um, I think it gives a real emphasis on tackling social fraud, and I think it's to be congratulated for building a coalition which is across parties uh, and has made a lot of sense. The real challenge now though in terms of tackling social housing fraud is to make sure that councils and social landlords have the ability to actually tackle it. There's been an excellent report by the National Fraud Authority and the Charles Institute of Housing, with a series of recommendations based on pilots throughout the country, which does precisely that. So, are the tools there now, as well as the Act, to, to enable social landlords and councils to tackle
2: fraud? So, this is people who've got uh, who've got a council house, but they're they're renting a room out, or they're renting the whole thing out to somebody else who shouldn't be yeah.
27: there. Things like that, yes. Uh, and
2: this new Act, does it go far enough? Do you think? yeah I think it does i don 't think the
27: the issue the challenge now is about the the act itself and its powers uh, i think the the real issue is about making sure that councils and social landlords actually tackle the fraud um you know the Act gives some power to the, you know, gives gives the authorities power to prosecute people. But the real challenge is to make sure you identify them. Where you identify them, there's two savings to the public purse. One is that people in social housing who shouldn't be are no longer there. The second is sometimes those people put in right to buy applications, and again that's got a cost on the public purse because the subsidy
2: that's given. We're hearing uh, incredible stories this morning of of, uh, people who've got their 42 and 43-year-old children living with them because they can't afford housing. There is a real lack of housing at the moment, isn't there? And it doesn't seem that much is being done to resolve that.
27: Yes, successive governments haven't built enough housing. Um, That's resulting in the situation we have now where the situation is bad and getting worse. Um, And the current plans by the current government simply aren't enough to tackle that. They're helpful, they go some of the way, but they don't go anywhere near the way. We've got a couple of real problems, I think, in terms of tackling that shortage of social
25: housing.
2: What's it going to take? Is it going to take a bold government to come in and say, right, we're going to build 50,000 houses this year, 100,000 houses next year? Is anybody prepared to do that?
27: Not at the moment. I think everybody's quite happy to sign up to campaigns like the campaign by the National Housing Federation. You know, they're prepared to do that. Um, What they're not prepared to do at the moment is to do the big investment, the equivalent of an HS2 for housing, which is what we really need. And that's kind of scary for governments because what it will mean, it will mean a lot of money, although you do get some costs back in terms of that in terms of employment and in terms of investment um, and also means tackling some of the nimbyism which I'm afraid does stop people building as many homes as they'd like to do and certainly we need to continue to support the planning process to make sure that that happens.
2: Uh, we can finally uh, uh, Phil, Peter in Warmer Green, one of my listeners has been in touch, he wants to know how the, the figure of between 50 and 150,000 uh, uh, f- properties with fraudulent people renting them uh, in where, where do these figures come from?
27: It comes from the work that's been carried out in the pilots I talked about earlier. That the, the best guess is there's a figure of just under 100,000. But because, you know, the point I made earlier, that not everybody's necessarily taking this on at the moment and investigating it thoroughly, it's very difficult to be absolutely sure and precise what the actual number is. So that's why you've got the, the range of fifty to 150,000. My best guess is it's probably
1: somewhere in the middle of that.
2: Phil thank you very much indeed that's Phil Morgan independent consultant commentator and speaker on social housing
6: Travel
12: news for beds hards and bugs
3: BBC 3 counties radio
12: Got an update on the M25. Ian, there's just one lane closed now, anti clockwise, between junctions 25 and 24 from the A10 to Potters Bar after this lorry fire from overnight. Still long queues. They're back kind of halfway between junctions 26 and 27. So no longer back to the M11, but halfway back uh, to there. There are delays on a number of other roads near the motorway, especially on the A10, which is queuing down uh, towards the M25. Um, the A414 looks very busy east, going into Hartford. It's slow in both directions, especially westbound. Towards London Coney, uh, where there's a queue showing up on that stretch of the A414. And then on the M25 anti clockwise junction 17 to 16, it's still a little bit slow uh, from Maple Cross to the M40. Russell Holding, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts, and bugs.
3: This is
17: BBC Three Counties Radio. lines, I'm Serena Farrow. Changes are ahead for nurses and midwives across the three counties as there are plans to check their performance every three years. Now after a metal crane collapsed, killing a man in Hertfordshire, a construction firm has been fined for not having sufficient safety measures in place. Meanwhile a hello woman who fell asleep on the job leaving an elderly man on the floor will today be sentenced for neglect. And a new free school for older pupils which specialises in science, technology and engineering opens at Wootton in Bedford That's all the news. Now let's move on to the sport.
6: Three county sports.
17: BBC Three Counties Radio. Tennis then, Andy Murray's defence of his US Open title is over. It comes after a straight sets defeat to Stanislas Verinka.
1: Second serve,
21: Murray stepping into attack. Forehand into the net. The title defence ends. And it's fallen very, very flat for Andy Murray in New York.
17: Turning to football in Southampton's Ricky Lambert will make his first international start in England's World Cup qualifier against Moldova tonight. Lambert actually replaces the injured Daniel Sturridge who was withdrawn from Hodgson's squad with a thigh injury. Let's not forget England's under-21s were actually playing last night. They beat Moldova 1-0 in Gareth Southgate's first game in charge. Locally then, MK Dons plays Swindon tomorrow in front of the TV cameras. The League One game kicks off at quarter past 12. Manager Carl Robinson's been making sure his players are prepared properly for that early kick-off
18: you got to make sure you're up for it you got to make sure that you get to bed earlier you got to make sure that you, you allow yourself that, that time in the morning to get yourself awake rather than only getting up at nine only being awake for three hours before you then ask to play in the game so you're asking for the players to get to bed as early as they possibly can to make sure they're up early so the body's in fully, fully functional and raring, raring to go
17: Elsewhere in League One, Stevenage manager Graham Wesley believes his squad have gelled quicker than they thought they would. The Borough Oat at Tranmere, their improved form since the beginning of the season, has certainly impressed the boss.
5: Probably been a bit quicker than I thought in in my heart of hearts. I'd have loved to have thought that um, we could just come together and be magical straight away. But when you're bringing lads to a new level, bringing them up from the conference and up from League Two, it takes time for them to adjust. So um, the learning phase was always going to be tough, and uh, I'm surprised how quickly they've come together, to be honest.
17: League Two and Wickham are at Hartlepool. In the conference, Luton have a late kick-off at home to Grimsby. That's at 5.30. So, away from football, England and Australia start their one-day series in cricket at Headingley this morning. Play gets underway at quarter past ten. And for all those rugby fans, the Aviva Premiership returns tonight as Newcastle Falcons host Bath. Locally tomorrow, London Irish take on Saracens and London Wasps entertain the Harlequins at a later start of half past four. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at eight. Across beds, hearts, and bucks.
6: This is Ian Lee.
17: BBC Three Counties
3: Radio.
2: Oh dear, Natasha's not happy. Natasha is not happy. Natasha Trud- Trudgill, Trudgill, Trudgill is one of those is correct. I can guarantee it. Almost is unhappy about the banana talk. Uh, we are having literally having a, a fisticuffs here fisticuffs, uh, about what colour a banana should be. It's taken the internet by storm. Some of you may be struggling to log on to your usual uh, websites today. That, that's our thought. I apologise in advance. But Natasha says sort it out, you lot. I'm meant to be waking up for work. You're just putting me back to sleep. And then I think she's fallen asleep at the keyboard because there's, there's lots of zeds. I, I think that means she actually fell asleep at the keyboard. So Natasha, I apologise wholeheartedly. I'll do everything I can to give you a metaphorical boot up the backside. Coming up in the next 30 minutes, we'll be finding out why Kelly Betts was late and also hearing your stories about being late for work. And this morning we are trying to find the oldest um, child living with their parents. I thought in Beds, Hearts and Bucks, we'd struggle to get someone over 30. Well, very quickly, we got someone who's 42, 43. We have someone even older than that. I'll tell you how old in a few minutes. Recently on this show, we covered the story of a woman from St Albans who was asked to leave a bakery because she has a guide dog. The manager at the bread shop in the Maltings had uh, told Emma Hanford that her dog couldn't go into the premises because there was open food on display. Well, the shop has since apologised and done a cracking job of apologising as well, I think, but it seems that the problem of access for blind people is even bigger than we thought. Richard Lehman is from Guide Dogs UK, which has come out with some concerning statistics. Richard, you've seen a rise in complaints to your organisation. What's happening we, we have. We, we've been uh, always conscious
22: from our, our guide owners that there's been a problem, but we thought we'd do some uh, a bit more specific statistical research. And in the last year, we've had uh, over 400 cases where guide owners have been refused entry to either a uh, public transport or to a um, to a premise. And um, the, the numbers appear to be going up. Now, whether that's just because they're getting so fed up with it, they're reporting more, or whether things are getting worse, we're not sure. But the the harsh reality is that the people who've been given the freedom of independence and movement uh, by a guide dog, are having it taken away by people who are breaking the law. But public transport? Yeah, they, they, I mean, in, in, the, in the transport uh, sphere, 60% of guide dog owners were refused entry to a taxi. So a very simple, not a big problem, um, hugely important if they want to go out for an evening, and um, taxi drivers just completely unaware of the law, preventing them from getting in.
2: Oh, and they're saying well, I, don't, I don't want your stinky dog in the back of my car jog yeah, on mate there's,
22: there's prejudice there there's a wow. lack of understanding that guide dogs are, are incredibly they're very healthy animals very well groomed very well trained they're not a health or hygiene risk um, but far more important the government I think rightly have decided that uh, blind people should have the freedom of movement that that, that, that you and I enjoy and and uh, having a guide dog is is no reason to prevent access to, to
2: transport or to or to a public premise this is the third time this week I've had to highlight it but I feel we should. just to clarify if you've got a guide dog you can take that guide dog anywhere can't you? yeah as
22: long as it's on a harness and it's working yes I mean if it's in if it's acting in a capacity as a pet dog and it's just running free then you know the guide owners need to run their dogs in places where dogs are allowed but when it's working it can go wherever it likes
2: hospital restaurants buses taxis anywhere
22: yep Absolutely.
2: Why do so many businesses not know this?
22: It's, well, it, it, it's, it's a really good question and it's something we're, we're working hard on. It, it, when we speak to the managers and the owners they are desperately keen to help us and, and bend over backwards to, 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 to rectify the problem. It is at the coalface, it is the staff, they're not being brief they're not aware of the law and uh, for a number of, uh, through a number of means we're going to try and raise awareness of, of the problem. Uh, we've got a, an, a, a scheme called My Guide Open for Business where we we will go and brief businesses on on how how to make their business open and friendly for blind people, and how to to sighted guide them around their their premises. And I think with a combination of awareness raising, continually pressurising people who break the law, uh, we, we should see we should make some headway. But um, it's it's not an easy journey, and it's hugely. Um, Expensive for us. We're, we're a charity. We don't get government any government money. We um, these dogs cost fifty thousand pounds a shot, and and their utility is being completely destroyed by people who are who are breaking the law.
2: And um, c- can you describe what it must feel like for for the blind person who you know goes out to a restaurant or pops into a baker's to, to get a croissant, yes, and yes. and they're booted out? That must be humiliating. Yeah,
22: it is. It's humiliating if you're with your family and and you're out for the evening um, uh, in a restaurant. It's embarrassing. It can. Destroy a a birthday or a celebration. I mean, it's it's, just—it's—it's wrong. It's—it's emotionally upsetting, and—and it's illegal.
2: Uh, Richard, I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you very much, Richard Lehman from uh, Guide Dogs UK. Hopefully, we can put that one to rest. I feel three times this week. You know now, don't you? My listeners are very well educated. They know if they work in a shop, a guide dog comes in. Welcome, come in, come in. It's the listeners to heart who don't know. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. So. Trying to find the oldest child living with their parents. We started off at 42, very quickly went to 43. Carol's texted him. My brother has never left home. He lives with his mum. He's 49. He's 49 years old! That's... uh, Carol, there's something odd there, isn't there? That isn't right. We're never going to beat 49, are we? Are we? 7.40. Can we beat 49? 49. 08459 455 555. Can we find the oldest person living at home with their parents? Let's have a quick look at the rest of the newspapers, shall we? Because guess what? Kelly Betts is late again. (laughs) We're supposed to be going to Kelly Betts for a report about being late. She's late for the report about being late. What a plum. What a plum. Someone sent me an interesting message about it. Here we go, look. Uh, Where have I put that? Oh, um, Mark has texted in. Late for a work programme appointment. First time, benefits stop for 13 weeks. Second time, benefits stop for 26 weeks. Third time, three years. It's the law. I think what Mark is saying, um, dear listener, is that uh, any members of my team who are late should have their wages stopped for 13 weeks at, for a first offence. Uh, 08459 455 555 is the telephone number if you want to. Give us a call. Quick look at the front pages of the newspapers. The Guardian exclusive. How US and Britain unlock privacy on the internet. Elaborate safeguards broken by NSA, GCHQ. Encryption meant to protect emails, banks and medical records. New Snowden revelations certain to cause political... Ra- Do you know what? When this initially broke, this story, about um, how the government and the US government were hacking into our emails, and our, I, I was shocked, outraged. I don't really care anymore. I think the more I think about it, the more I think, I don't really care You know, I've got... It's not that thing, well, if you've got nothing to hide, I I don't really care. US and British intelligence agencies have successfully cracked much of the online encryption relied upon by hundreds of millions of people to protect the privacy of their personal... If they've done it, the crooks have done it. Where the heck have you been? Oh,
17: hiya. So
2: you were... You were late. We should really be having this off air, but I'm genuinely angry.
11: Go then.
2: you were forty-five minutes late for work this morning. We're supposed as soon as I was finished talking to that fella about guide dogs, and it was a, a cracking interview. You probably didn't hear it. You was, it was like a boom. We're going now. That's done. Guide dogs. We're going to Kelly Betts. You're late to present the bit about being late. It's just one of those days.
11: It happens, Soz. Anyway, Ma- Mark, I don't...
2: Mark suggests you should have your uh, wages stopped for, for thirteen weeks.
11: Basically, have haven't I?
2: It feels like Take your jacket off Get comfortable I'll take my jacket
11: off, thanks This is unbelievable Have you got a cup of tea That I could have? What's this?
2: That's old You've been out talking to people About uh, being late, have you?
11: I have And they all agree that it happens So get off your high horse And come and join us So I was 45 minutes late For work this morning It happens to everyone, doesn't it? Have you ever been late for work?
19: Yes And what was your
11: excuse?
19: Um I'll just tell the truth (laughs) What
11: was the reason?
19: I woke up late My alarm goes off And I turn it off Put it on snooze what? So
11: you slept through your alarms? Yeah. That's what happened to me. Right. It happens, doesn't it? It
19: does happen, yeah.
11: How many minutes late were you?
19: About half an hour last Saturday. I work all day on a Saturday, so it's hard.
11: Have you ever been late to work? Yeah. And How, how many minutes late were you? Like, one hour. One hour? Yeah, I woke up late because I was too tired the day before. And what did you say to your boss when you got in? I woke up late. Sorry I'm late. Was that f- OK? Well, because it was my first time, that's why. They just, yeah, they just let me off. I was 45 minutes late for work this morning, don't yeah. tell my mum. Have you ever been late for work? I'm late now. Oh, you're late now. How many sorry, minutes sorry, How sorry. many minutes are you late? 15. And what's your excuse?
27: Looking at myself in the mirror, I suppose.
11: You are looking at yourself in the mirror it made you 15 minutes late?
4: Take, take extra long to get ready. I'll
11: let you get on then. Thank, oh, thank you. you. See, it happens. That guy's late for work right now. Have you ever been late for work?
4: I have, yeah. What
11: was the latest that you were late for work? Three hours. Three hours? What happened?
21: Got stuck on the motorway. If I'm honest, I think I've been
2: late once in the last six years to work. Conclusion? It happens. So those are your kind of people, lazy people. I don't know how...
11: Oh, that last guy's been late once in six years.
2: Okay, well, Unlikely. he did well. well. I've not. I've never been late for this job. So,
11: this is what happened. You were late... You rang up, you said, I'm late, and then you rang up again and said, oh, I've got a bit of a headache, I'm not actually going to come in. I so didn't... basically you were late and then you didn't come in. I've got neuro... That's worse.
2: I've got a neurological condition. Yeah. I, had, I suffered from a migraine. I was in a lay-by in Langley, heaving up my insides. Tell
11: it to someone who cares. Are
2: you doing anything else for the rest of the morning or is that it?
11: I could go out and see how people like their bananas, if you like.
2: Is that what it's come to? But it's,
11: it's, it's what it sounds like. Otherwise, um, just hang about.
2: No, g- right, no, out now. Go and find out how people like the bananas. OK. Go. Thanks. Thanks very much indeed. Kelly Betts there, ladies and gentlemen, who used to work at BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 double five five double five is the telephone number. 81333. Start your text 3CR. It's coming up to a quarter to eight. Let's get the latest travel with Russell. <laughs>
12: Well, the latest on the M25E, and there is just the inside lane that's closed now, anti-clockwise between junctions 25 and 24, so from the A10 to Potter's Bar. After a lorry caught fire overnight, I'm told they hopefully get that lane back open uh, later because uh, they've only got a bloke sweeping the road. I'm told. So I just can imagine this guy with a broom on the M25. Still long delays. The queues halfway back between junctions 26 and 27, so not quite back to the M11, but it's still taking ages to get through the queues. The M11's been queuing into town from there, and the North Circular. In London, there are long delays where traffic's been avoiding the M25 as well. M25 also slow anti-clockwise in between Junction 17 and 16, the bit from Maple Cross to the M40. Been delays on the A414 heading uh, east into Hartford, both directions, but especially westbound approaching London Coney. Uh, there are long delays, in fact, back as far as Coney Heath now uh, towards there. Uh, I can see delays on the A41 at Kings Langley getting down towards Junction 20 of the M25. The A5 through uh, Dunstable looks a little bit slow each way. Russell Holding, BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Russell.
2: it's Friday the uh, 6th of September, I'm Ian Lee and these are your headlines on BBC Three Counties Radio Every nurse and midwife may have their performance checked by 2015 to make sure they're doing their job properly. A study has found that women aren't reporting rape because of a lack of faith in the legal system In sport, Southampton's Ricky Lambert will make his first international start in England's World Cup qualifier against Moldova tonight Coming up, we'll be taking more of your calls about uh, whether You've reported crimes to the police. But before that, let's get the latest weather with Elizabeth Rattini.
8: Beds, hearts, and bucks weather.
6: BBC Three Counties Radio
8: very good morning to you. We've got outbreaks of rain through the course of the morning into the afternoon. Most of it will be light. We could see the odd heavy burst, I suppose, at times. Um, Generally, not too much of it by the time we get to uh, the first part of the afternoon. It will be a drier and a brighter end to the day. But, uh, yeah, a little bit of wet weather around. Certainly quite a lot of mist and murk as well. Lots of low cloud. Temperatures a good deal cooler than they were yesterday. They're really not going to rise very far from where they are at the moment. So, we're just looking at highs of 80 possibly 19 degrees Celsius in many of our towns today that's 66 in Fahrenheit overnight tonight then uh, feeling a lot cooler We're into the cool air now so temperatures down to 11 or 12 degrees Celsius and the weekend well it's not looking too bad an improvement on today lots of dry and bright weather around on Saturday and on Sunday with some spells of sunshine the small risk of catching some showers here and there at times um particularly I think tomorrow morning and then at the end of the day tomorrow too but um but you know all in all, it's not going to be a bad looking weekend weather it's just going to be cool compared to what we were seeing earlier on in the week. Highs of only 18 degrees, 64 in Fahrenheit. That's the forecast.
6: Every weekday from 12, Nick Coffer brings you...
0: We're talking antics and connectables.
6: It doesn't have to be
0: old things. These anxieties that you have, when you get rid of this first one, you'll find that all these other things that you're talking about can fall into place.
6: Nick Coffer. We've had some great music today. The Beatles, ABBA, Smokey Robinson, Adele Pink Floyd. Nick Coffer. I am wearing bright purple jeans. Weekdays from 12 on BBC
2: Three Counties Radio. Wowzers. So, uh, we need more housing. There's not enough housing. I think everybody pretty much accepts that, but because of uh, the the lack of housing and the expense of the housing that's available, more and more children are living at home with their parents. I didn't think, genuinely didn't think, we'd get anybody in beds, hearts and bucks over 40, over 35 who lives with their parents. Straight away, 42 and 43. Just had someone who's 49 who lives with his mum. How sad is that? Lucene is in Luton. Good morning, Lucene. Good morning. Please don't tell me you can beat forty nine. Oh God with ease. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah,
15: my brother is actually going to be fifty one uh, the ninth of October. Yeah. This year. And my sister will be fifty, uh, June, February the twelfth yeah. next year.
2: They don't they don't live at home with with mum and dad, do they? They live at home with mum and dad. Uh I'm 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 speechless. <laughs> so am I. <laughs> what What What's their excuse? Um, my brother actually sold a
15: property, uh, maybe two thousand, no. and didn't have enough at the time, and had lost his job. So um, he said, "Well, can I come home?" But unfortunately, my son at the time was studying in London yeah. and was living in his room. He'd just finished his course, so he said, "Oh, it's a good thing you've done that. You can move back <sighs> to mum's," and he moved in.
2: Your brother kicked, kicked his nephew <laughs> exactly. out of the bedroom and said, right, well, well done, you finish. off you go, I'm coming back. That's incredible. And what's your sister's excuse? Uh, my sister actually worked for a housing association the,
15: years ago. There's
2: I the guess. irony, yes.
15: Yes, I know. And she actually got an apartment. Uh, we don't know the reason for why she left, but she's been home, basically, for most of her life, bar about a year.
2: And does mum do their washing up and cook their tea and stuff?
15: Uh, cooking food, yes.
2: Washing clothes, no. Oh, She's laid down the law there. What do your parents say about this, Lucine? Well, my father, he's one of these, I'm the dad, they're still my babies. That
15: scenario. They're
2: 51 and 50, <laughs> they're not babies! Doesn't
15: matter to my father. And my mother just wished they'd bloody me. <laughs> <laughs>
2: How did you manage to escape? How 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 come you you know kind of grew up and, and left the nest?
15: I grew up at nineteen and left home. Wow! And went out and had a wonderful time there. They've got them never been married and they've got no children either,
2: so they had no, they didn't have those
15: responsibilities.
2: So, with the greatest of respect to your, your siblings, it's weird, isn't it? It is weird at fifty one and fifty.
15: I mean, my son said to me, just a moment ago, oh, goes, Mummy, don't do it. Don't let the
2: world know. Oh, uncle and auntie have been sh- How old's your boy?
15: Uh, he's 13. My uh, eldest is a lot older than that.
2: Okay, <laughs> and, and the eldest, is is he gone?
15: My Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, my two eldest have gone, and now have their own family. Oh. I made sure that they left and went out in the world early.
2: In their early 20s. lucine, I appreciate your honesty I appreciate you um uh, uh, d- d- embarrassing your family. who knows maybe it will prompt your your fifty one year old and your brother and your fifty year old sister to move out. Mum still cooks their tea for them she she draws the line at d- washing their clothes. I bet she does it from t- i bet she does it from time to time oh eight four five wait, nine, four, double, we five, five, double, five. we've got an hour just over an hour. Can we beat 51? We can't beat 51. We can't. We can't. A Hertfordshire MP is criticising Network Rail over its response to the likely impact on local residents of the planned Strategic Rail Freight Terminal of Radlett. St Albans MP Anne Mayne has written to the firm to raise her concerns about the project, but wasn't happy with the reply that she received. Well, I'm joined now by Anne Mayne. Uh, and remind us about the freight terminal plans. Radlett isn't the only potential site, is it? No, there are
28: other sites. Um In another quadrant there's Colnebrook, which is near Slough, but more interestingly for us, there's the uh, mid-Bedfordshire plan now includes a rail freight interchange that's near Luton and it would be accessed off the motorway.
2: What impact would a strategic rail freight terminal at Radlett have on the local area, do you think?
28: massive and i'm pleased you're calling it a strategic rail freight interchange because that's one that shows the magnitude of it that's the biggest one you can have um it will have thousands of lorry movements every day coming through villages because it's not got a motorway access it will work 24 7 so anyone along the line will get large freight trains rolling through all night plus if you're backing onto the site you'll have noise and movements of all the um the the goings-on of a site beepings, reversing lorries and unloading and so on, um, plus the fact that there's going to be a massive amount of disruption to the rail services while they alter all the tracks and tunnels, which couldn't accommodate modern rolling stock.
2: Uh, we mentioned that you've written to Network Rail and you weren't happy with the response. Why is that?
28: Well, I believe this is a very crucial part of the plan, is the technical details surrounding whether or not this will ever be a strategic rail site, uh, namely having a significant amount of rail access, because it's such a busy line. The commuters that go down to London, it's one of the busiest lines in the country, and I'm wor- very concerned with all the uh, projects that will be needed to make this work. We have no details on them, and I'm constantly being told the only answer I get is don't worry, we won't allow anything to happen to these commuter services that will, you know, that will be too disruptive. Of course, that doesn't really give us the details about all the works that will need to happen, but they mean the ongoing, normal running of the site. And I haven't got any details. So a commuter may well pay for an expensive season ticket in a couple of years' time, only to find they're spending half their life having trains that aren't operating as they think, or may having to have bus services I don't know, because they won't tell me.
2: You've been in touch as well with the Prime Minister and the Transport Minister. What what, what are they saying about the situation?
28: Well, sadly, uh, the Prime Minister obviously has no engagement in in the planning process. But what I did ask the Prime Minister about was blight. Uh, There is no recognition of blight for those properties that are backing onto a field at the moment, with a rural aspect, in a village, who will suddenly find themselves backing onto an industrial site. Now, HS2 and fracking victims, if that's the right way of describing them, despite potentially not having a view of what's going on, um, will be eligible, if they're within a certain radius, to claim blight. In other words, the drop in the value of their properties. There is no blight recognition. Um, I did write to the Prime Minister and ask if he would would, uh, try and push for blight recognition for my constituents. But sadly, I'm told that this project isn't considered something that they could do with blight.
2: Well, well, and thank you very much for your time No doubt we'll be talking uh, to you about this again That was St Albans MP Anne Main uh, We did invite Network Rail on the programme uh, But they didn't have anybody available to comment Instead they sent us a statement But it's too long And I kind of think, if you can't be bothered to send someone to talk to us Do you know what I mean? <sighs> Don't send us a ridiculously long statement. 08459 um, oh, five nine, four, double five, 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 five. Two Key members of my team have been late this morning. Serena Farrow, who's, who's uh, reading the news, and Kelly Betts, who's running around. Um, we've been asking, have you been late for work? Colin's in Dunstable. Colin, you ever been late for work? Uh,
29: yes, there was a period of time when I didn't have a car, and um, I had to get from Chesnett to Enfield um, for 10 o'clock at night and um, the buses just had a period when they didn't turn up, and my buses got a bit fed up with this, and I was up to half an hour late in some cases. Oh, blimey.
2: This, um, you, you did this regularly, did you? Yes. Oh,
29: yes. Colin. Um, and um, I said, well, it's not my fault, you know. Um, the buses just aren't turning up. And I had a choice of two buses or a coach that I could have taken. Um, And it was already taking me about an hour to get there as it was. Yeah. Um, So I said, well, what do I do? So he said, find a way of of, of showing me. Showing Um, you? Yeah. So what what I did, I got the, I mean, this is before the internet. Of course. Um, I took the (laughs) published um,
2: timetables in. T- time t- you took the timetables in? Yeah, for the buses. Right. And I feel like I'm living then, this story in real time, yes? And then took
29: um, the um, bus tickets in. Right. Which showed that
2: they hadn't turned up at the appropriate time. Here's, an, here's a suggestion, Colin. Instead of showing him the timetables, why didn't you just get an earlier bus? No, because no. the earlier bus would have been
29: so early it would have been ridiculous.
2: But But... <laughs>
29: We're talking this about we're talking about
2: an hour. Well, then take a book. Go and sit and read a book somewhere. This is what's wrong with this country. So instead of turning up an hour early, you would turn up an, half an hour late. Well, no, I'm on your always, boss's side
29: on it wasn't this. Always, it wasn't always half an hour. That twenty was minutes. Extreme. It was normally about 10, 15 Ow, minutes.
2: That's all right. Did you lose your job in the end? No,
29: no, 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 no. No, they 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 agreed with me.
2: Colin, that's, I'm sure you uh, I nearly said bored them into submission That would be harsh I'm sure you put forward your point very eloquently As you did just then And um, you, you dealt with it But that's what's wrong with this country Oh no, I couldn't get there an hour early But half an hour late, that's fine uh, <laughs> I'm really. Uh, today's show is confusing me uh, Let's get the travel now, shall we?
12: Well, the latest on the M25 in all lanes back open now. Anticlockwise Junction's 25 to 24 from the A10 to Potter's Bar, but traffic still queuing. Not quite back to Junction 27, the M11, but still long delays as a result. And anti-clockwise also so, 17 to 16 from Maple Cross to the m 40 the A10. It's been queuing down towards the M25. There are delays as well on the A1 southbound towards the Black Cap roundabout. Northbound, there's a short delay, but it is still uh, slow approaching there, and it's also very slow coming into uh, Bedford on the eastbound approach on the
2: A428. Russell Holding BBC Three Counties Radio. Thank you, Russell. Today's show really has um, taken many bizarre twists and turns. Old kids living with their parents, bananas, being late for work, and the Princess Diana film. I'm really struggling to follow it this morning.
3: Local and vocal across beds, hearts and bucks.
6: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
17: It's eight o'clock, I'm Serena Farrow. The headlines, are nurses in the three counties up to the job? Women don't feel it's worth reporting rape and staying at home until your late 40s. BBC Three Counties Radio. Now every nurse and midwife may have their performance checked on a three-yearly basis just to make sure they're still up to the job.
14: We need a system that applies to nurses wherever they work across the many different care systems. It creates... A system of making sure that training and development happens. When nurses are under pressure, it's very, very easy for training and development to be the thing that gives in the system, and revalidation makes sure that that doesn't happen.
17: The director of the Royal College of Nursing there, Tom Sanford, the plan is to bring in the change from 2015. Their plans from the Nursing and Midwifery Council are partly based on feedback from patients after the failings at staff and hospital. In other news this morning, a study's found women aren't reporting rape because of a lack of faith in the legal system. Well, 16% surveyed said they'd been attacked, but only a fifth of those actually reported it to police. And it seems the same's happening with less serious crimes. Norman Brennan spent more than 30 years with the force. He says it's always worth reporting it even if officers haven't done something at the time. He says when he was working there were certainly minimum standards.
23: You met the victim and you took a statement. There was no CCTV. If there was no witnesses and you did your local collators check at the area that the crime actually committed you had that statement on file. If a year down the line, the M.O. was pretty much the same, or we actually arrested somebody and they committed a a similar, identical crime, then, of course, we may even put that crime to them and ask them about that.
17: Now, how old were you when you left home? Well, for one 49-year-old in the three counties, he's not got around to it just yet. He says the National Housing Federation's warning that unless there's more affordable housing, children may be stuck at home far longer than most parents ever bargained for. Claire Asprey from Bedfordshire carried out the research. She spoke to Ian Lee earlier and says it is detrimental to family life.
16: Yeah, and we've got examples of people where they've got you know three children in their 20s still at oh home. Oh, dear. You know, people of 28 and 22 still sharing a childhood bedroom because they can't afford to move out and that puts strain on family life and around a tenth say it caused them to get into debt.
17: The G20 summit ends in St Petersburg this afternoon with the leaders showing no sign of agreement about taking military action against Syria. President Obama is facing growing international pressure to push for peace rather than carry out a military strike. And the contents of three newly discovered tombs will be uncovered by archaeologists in Hemel-Hempstead this morning. The brick-lined tombs were discovered by workers under the car park near the old town hall. Sport then and Andy Murray's out of the US Open. The Swiss player Stanislas Favinka dashed the Scots chances English boys chances of defending his Grand Slam title after beating him in straight sets in the quarter not final. English, not English, British thank you thanks, yeah, yeah, sorry uh, finally weather, it's been a little bit cooler than it has of late so we're going to have a smattering of rain later on this afternoon, temperatures of 19 degrees Celsius, get the latest news and sports online at bbc.co.uk slash three counties
2: Thank you Serena Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. It's Friday. We'll end the show with a little bit of music, as we often do. Before then, lots for you to get involved in. And, boy, have you been getting involved this morning. Primarily about bananas, but but never mind. A study has found that women are not reporting rape because of a lack of faith in the legal system. A caller to the show yesterday said they wouldn't bother going to the police if they were evicting of crime as nothing would be done. Have you lost faith in the police? We need more affordable housing. That's the verdict from the National Housing Federation, which is warning that unless we get it, children could be stuck at home forever. We've been trying to find the oldest child still living at home with their parents in beds, hearts, and bucks. We just had a call a 51 year old son and a 50 year old daughter still living with their mum and dad. And mum still cooks their tea not gonna beat that are we are you have you got older children not necessarily that old but older children living with you and you really want them gone and you just don't know how to shift them and how do you like your bananas uh, some of my peers are in hollywood right now making movies i'm asking how you like your bananas it's created a furor on the internet Lots of ways to get in touch. Facebook.com forward slash BBC 3CR. You can send me a text. 81333, start your text, 3CR, and you can give me a phone call. 08459 455 555.
3: Across beds, hearts and bucks.
2: This is BBC Three Counties Radio. Is it always worth reporting a crime? A study has found that women are not reporting rape because of a lack of faith in the legal system. 16% of women surveyed said they had been raped, but only a fifth of those reported it to the police. And so many times we hear on this show and on Jonathan's show callers uh, ringing in saying, well, there's no point in getting in touch with the police. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. They don't send anybody out. They, they fob you off. Has that been your experience? Have you reported crimes to the police and been disappointed with the response? Have you not bothered reporting crimes to the police? Because you just think, well, it's not worth it. We know the police in Beds Hearts and Bucks are, uh, they're all facing cutbacks in terms of not only money but in terms of staff. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you've reported a crime and the police have done a cracking job. Well, we asked people in Milton Keynes what they thought and this is what they had to say.
5: I think we've other people, like, not yourself, you should but within, like, yourself, like, I've been through stuff, like, not that long ago with the police and they wasn't really helpful at all and I don't think it helps also, like, on the news, they were saying like, oh, they don't deal with, like, 60% of the cases that are put forward to them, they don't really deal with them, I think, well, where's the justice, you know, there's people, I know they may not be as, um, the instance might not be as big as other instances, but they should still help considering, you know, what could have happened, so I think it's pretty wrong at the end of the day, but yes, I would report a crime if
7: I saw one. Yeah, definitely, of course, if I saw a crime going on, definitely i have to report it. Crimes begin at a very small stage, and it develops. I wouldn't think twice to hesitate. It
9: depends really on, on some circumstances, I guess, if people are in danger. Um, but yeah, I think I wouldn't hesitate to call the police at all. Yeah, no way. I mean, obviously, it's some circumstances, some things, they don't, don't always, you know, not always here on time or something like that, but people can be a bit nitpicky really, but I would have faith, yeah, I would have faith in, in them responding. Well,
10: I'd be nervous to do it in case, uh, you know, if I said to the wrong to call the police or they knew I was going to call the police, whether they might, you know, come at me. But I do think that it should be reported if we do know it, but as uh, so long as I'm in a decent area, then I would. I certainly wouldn't face them, not with what you're here today. Uh,
1: as long as you do it. Quietly and selectively. I mean, when you uh, get to my age, you're not going to step in, are you? The reaction at the other end can be strange sometimes. Strange. Well, it's to
2: themselves. Well, that was the opinion of people in Milton Keynes. Uh, earlier on in the show, I spoke to Norman Brennan. He spent more than 30 years working with the police force and is a spokesperson on police issues. He says that people may feel frustrated about whether it's worth it, but believes they should always speak to the police.
23: It could be you that makes that phone call and the police officer is just round the corner and that officer turning up as possibly saved somebody's life, save somebody from being further injured, or actually arrested somebody that has committed the crime against you. It's a gamble, but my advice to everybody listening to this programme, take it, because we don't always get it right, but a lot of times we do.
2: Well, lots of you have been getting in touch. You can give me a call on this, 08459 455 555. Have you reported a crime to the police? If you've been really satisfied with them, they did a cracking job. Wonderful, let me know but also do get in touch if they did a, a, a disappointing job, if they didn't even send someone out, or they did and they popped round for five minutes. And I've had both experiences. I've had the police be wonderful, go above and beyond. I've also had the police be a little bit poor and I've said to them, is that, is that the best you're going to do? I remember I had a big argument with the detective? She said, well, we can't do any more in this case. Someone had been threatening to shoot me. <laughs> I know, the threat was probably um, just to scare me, but boy, it scared me. You imagine getting emails from people saying, uh, yeah, I'm going to shoot you and your wife. OK, thanks. Police say, well, there's not really a lot we can do about this. Let us know if you see something, um, uh, you know, unusual in the street and then give us a call. I said, what, you, you mean if I see someone pulling a gun out and pointing at me? I should call you then, should I? Yes, that would be good. Dial 999 for that. Oh, OK, thanks. Thanks for giving me your direct line. Oh eight four five nine 455 double, 555. Double, uh, Richard has texted in, there are not enough police. Technology is okay, but boots on the ground using eyes and ears to know the local patch are vital. People don't bother reporting crime as they don't get the response they expect and are paying for. When criminals are caught, here we go, this is this is I would agree with. When criminals are caught, sentences are so derisory it's a joke. Prisons are meant to rehabilitate, and a few weeks inside is meaningless. That's from Richard. Tammy is uh, texting in early on. After my daughter's experience with the police, after she was assaulted, I wouldn't bother with them either. What was your daughter's experience after the, she was assaulted? I had several things stolen from my back garden. I didn't bother reporting it. Why should the police investigate thefts like this when there's more money to be made, either for the police, the local authority or central government from motorists? The police definitely don't help when there's newspaper articles like the one yesterday about a service that only bothers investigating about 40% of uh, reported crimes. Um, But then Jenny, and I mentioned this earlier on to, uh, to Norman, Jenny makes the good point, Rachel Manning's murderer was caught after committing another crime, which wasn't reported by the victim, but by a witness. If he hadn't have bothered, well, he wouldn't have been caught. This is one of those things where we can get statistics and we can get figures and we can get numbers. But really, the the only way we're going to illustrate this and we're going to begin to understand this is by getting your stories, your real life accounts of what has happened to you. 08459 455 555. (laughs) Text 81333. Start your message with
3: 3CR.
6: Text will be charged at the standard network rate.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: More and more older and older kids are living at home because there's not enough social housing. Uh, and also housing is really expensive. And if you've had a little bit of bad luck in your life or you're a little bit lazy, it ain't going to happen. Dave's in Luton. Morning, Dave. Morning, Ian. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. What what do you want to say about um, children living at home?
30: Well, first off, I will
2: say, um, and I
30: admit that I'm 35 and I still live at home with my parents. Why? Um, Well, I did move out um, for about a year or two uh, with an ex-partner. I was living in uh, Bedford with her at the time. Um, But through other circumstances, my son actually had to go and live with my mum and dad. Um, and with my parents now being in their 60s, I feel like it's a little bit of a burden on them. So uh, I've
2: never moved out because of it. Um, are you not a bit embarrassed, Dave, to be to be 35 years old? You're, you are a grown man and then some, and you're living with your mum and dad.
30: Yeah, but like I say, because I've got my, my son, my 13-year-old son's living with my parents, I think it's a bit of a burden. So, you know, I stay, to, I stay at home to help him out. But why why can't he live with you or your, your ex? Um, We just don't. We just we just can't get on with each other. Uh, well, well, hang on. Just, why don't you? Why does? Why don't you
2: move out and get a flat, and your boy moves in with you? Um, Well,
30: because he's thirteen, um, and because of the circumstances he's under, my um, son has actually got to stay with my parents until he's like sixteen. All I'm right, that's, that,
2: that's a court order, is it?
30: Um, yeah, it okay. was all done from uh, social services. Okay, um, so there's a court
2: order on that. So that's, it's a slightly different uh, it's a slightly different situation, then. But when yeah. he's sixteen, three um, years time, you're going to move out.
30: Uh, I will do, yeah. Um, but like on the on the other um, issue as well is uh, my actual ex partner. Her uncle still lives uh, with his mo- uh, his mother, and uh, he's in his sixties now.
2: Oh, blimey. I'm always suspicious of older men that live with, their, with, live with their mums. Does your mum, like, cook your supper for you?
30: Um, I normally cook my own tea, uh, do my own washing uh, and washing up. Um, I might have a dinner cooked for me once or
2: twice a week. Yeah,
30: um, I quite do as much as I can myself.
2: And does, does your, your mum or your dad ever say, Look, Dave, come on, mate, you're 35, get out.
30: They have actually turned around to me uh, a couple of times and said, yeah, wouldn't it be nice to have your own place? And um, Wouldn't it? Of course, yes, it would be. Um, but well like I say, with the situation with my son, um, I just, like say, feel like it's a burden on my parents. Dave,
2: OK, we'll leave it there. It's obviously a slightly different circumstance. I wanted to know more, but I didn't want to push too much. <clears throat> what, what was the last time I lived with my mum? How old was I? Uh, I went to college when I was 19. I lived with her up until then. Um, I moved back in for about six months. Me and a mate moved back in for about six months when I left. I was at 22. Then I uh, moved in with a girlfriend uh, and then we split up. So I moved in for about six months when I was 23, 24, something like that. Twenty three, twenty four. Uh, any older than that also. Anybody, if I spend more than, than uh, uh, two days with my mum, we, we, we go back to, uh, suddenly I'm a 15-year-old and she's my mum and she's having a go at me. I can't handle it. If you're a parent, and thank you for that call. It was, it was interesting, Dave d- d- was brave enough to phone in and say, yeah, I'm 35, I live with my parents. If that's you, four double five five double five. If you're a parent with an older child and you're constantly thinking, when on earth are they... good th-? He's 28. He's 49. When on earth are they going to move out? Do give me a call. Let's see if we can come up with a plan to get that layabout out of your house. Oh, eight four five nine 455 555 This is BBC Three Counties Radio. It's a quarter past eight. Time for the travel now with Russell. Travel news for beds,
12: hearts, and bugs.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Well, still long delays on the M25, and All lanes are back open. Anti clockwise junctions 25 to 24 from the A10 to Potters Bar after the lorry caught nut fire overnight. But uh, still long delays uh, almost back to junction 27, the term for the M11. There are queues uh, down the A10 approaching the M25. Also queues at uh, London Coney on the A414 each way. A414 also looks very slow west into Hartford. The A1 is slow southbound approaching the black cat roundabout both directions looking slow approaching the roundabout there the bit that stevenage isn't too bad a little bit slow southbound just after stevenage Uh, m1 looks pretty good from what i can see on the speed sensors the a41 on the high street Waddesdon queuing east so towards Aylesbury basically russell holding bbc three counties radio
2: thank you very much Sorry, I was taken by surprise by Jonathan Vernon is Smith. It, is it my fault I've caused this uh, this slight problem with the programme? Well, well, the whole show has been a mess today. <laughs> well, no, let's be honest. We've been talking about bananas and people being late for work, and then I just lost track of time. I wasn't expecting you to walk in. Oh.
21: Well, shall I just sit? I'll just sit here quietly
2: while you read. I'm interested to know what your headlines are this morning. Oh, shall I let you know? Please. Here we go. It's 8.16, it's BBC Three Counties Radio, and these are the headlines for Jonathan Vernon smith By 2015, nurses and midwives may have their performance checked every three years. People up to the age of 51 in the Three Counties are staying at home because houses are far too expensive, according to the National Housing Federation. And in sport, Scottish tennis player Andy Murray's defence of his US Open title is over after number 9 seed Stanislas Vavrinka beat him in the quarterfinals. Weather much cooler with outbreaks of occasionally heavy rain. Top temperature of 19 degrees. Them's the heads. What did you think? Brilliant. BBC
3: Three Counties Radio.
6: On Saturday, it's an extended three counties sport with another four live commentaries.
12: MK Don's host Swindon in the early kickoff. Then there's full coverage of Tramir versus Stevenage.
2: Stevenage, a goal ahead.
12: And Wickham's trip to Hartlepool. And at 5.30, Luton are at home to Grimsby.
6: How's will score? Right hand side finds the back of the net, and Luton have got their goal.
12: Here, all four games live this Saturday from 12
2: in three counties sport. Oh, <laughs> sometimes it's nice just to be a little bit camp, isn't it? Isn't it? Yeah, I think oh, it yes. is. Oh, I do enjoy it. Do you? Yeah, I, as I get older, I'm getting camper. Are you? Yeah, I think I am. I'm embracing it. That's all right. It's 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 nice. Why not? And some people kind of judge. I don't don't, don't judge. For what the hell? Nice bit of campness. But have you ever read the Kenneth Williams diaries? Yes, of I, course. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yes, I just brilliant it's just the bitchiness and the loneliness the last couple of years are really hard reading because he's obviously not in a good place but my favorite entry is from about 1984 and it's kenneth williams saying i watched the a team tonight oh that face man he's a real dish <laughs> <laughs> just i don't remember Ken- that just the thought of kenneth williams watching the a team and fancying dirk benedict i see it's a, it's a wonderful image to have peculiar chap though oh very strange peculiar he he lived with his mum didn't he well yes they um
21: she moved in next door do you remember they had apartments next door to one another that was it that was very odd and she outlived him didn't she i think she did yes it's very sad it's very peculiar and a a little bit sad as well because kenneth williams never realized how much everyone loved him you know he kind of always felt everyone was
2: against him and actually people generally loved kenneth williams didn't they? oh yeah he he was one of the earliest you know kind of national treasures in terms of entertainment but he had very low self-esteem very Mm. low opinion of himself was doing this carry-on film. I don't know how we got to this, but was do- I think up until the very last carry-on film was getting about £5,000 a film, and he hated doing them. Mm. But he, could- he-, he was afraid to go and try and do anything else. Yes. Well, I might read those the, the diaries again. you can read them again, That might you? be my weekend reading, yes. Oh. Thank you. What's on your show this morning? Well,
21: coming up on my big phone-in this morning from nine, uh, very, very sad story. I'm going to be asking... Do you know what it feels like to be burgled? Thieves who raided a family home in Leighton Buzzard have stolen a gold pendant which contains the ashes of a two-year-old child. The break-in came just two weeks before the fourth anniversary of little Daniel's death. His mother, Kelly, set up a shrine to remember her son which included jewellery she received from him for Mother's Day. Oh, dear. It also included a little pendant with his ashes and they've stolen... They didn't take anything else... They didn't take the TV. They didn't Mm. take the DVD player. They just took these very sentimental items. How sad. Kelly is absolutely devastated. You can hear my interview with her from 9 this morning. And I want your experiences as well. Do you know what it feels like to be burgled? We'll talk about that from 9. And the phone lines is always open for your advice and for your experiences on 08459 (laughs) 455555.
6: Email
3: 3cr at bbc.co.uk.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio. 08459 455 555 is the number to give us a call now. Patients could be asked to give feedback on nurses as part of uh, new performance checks being proposed by the regulator. The Nursing and Midwifery Council Midwifery, that's a good word isn't it? Midwifery. uh, Is recommending all nurses and midwives are assessed every three years. Carers who fail to come up to scratch could be banned from working. Well Jackie Smith is from the Nursing and Midwifery Council she says checking all 600 675,000 nurses in the UK will be quite a challenge.
0: It's not possible for us to look at all 675,000 in one go but the pilots will show us what we need to look at and, and then we'll make a decision about the right number to check. They will encounter a range of patients throughout a year and we want to ensure that we get the best possible feedback to get the best possible understanding of their practice.
2: Well, at the moment, nurses and midwives can renew their registration every three years simply by stating they're fit to do so. The new system, known as revalidation, would include feedback from patients, colleagues and employers. The changes are designed to prevent the sort of failings we saw at mid stafford hospital where some staff were described as uncaring leaving dying patients crying in pain tom sanford is from the royal college of nursing he says good nurses will welcome tougher checks revalidation is
14: a process of assuring the public that every nurse no matter when they qualified is fit to practice and is competent for the role that they're performing now and it's an important patient safety and patient confidence issue And clearly, a well-trained workforce has to be better for patients. And I think it's fair to say that nobody wants this more than nurses themselves.
2: Well, Valerie Gommon is an independent midwife in three counties and lectures in health at Milton Keynes College. Uh, uh, Valerie, nurses and midwives want this, according to Tom Sanford there. Good morning. Well,
24: um, I haven't heard of this until this morning. I've just heard the news this morning. I can't say that I agree with that statement. I... it is a personal opinion, and I can only speak as a midwife. I think things are slightly different in nursing. But midwifery is already incredibly tightly regulated, and I'm just not sure that we we need more regulation.
2: Um, what kind of checks and regulations do you go through on a regular basis now?
24: OK, well, um, there, there's a requirement on all nurses and midwives to, to update themselves to, to attend continual continuous professional development sessions and, and there is a requirement to, to enable us to, to re-register every three years. We have to have done a certain amount of, um, of practice and also uh, professional development. In midwifery we also have a system of supervision where we have to meet annually with our named supervisor of midwives. And uh, and many midwives also have appraisals that I heard mentioned. I heard Jackie Smith say that 85% of uh, nurses and midwives are are already appraised annually. So it seems to me there's there's already... uh, And that's in addition to, you know, regular record audits. um, And obviously any concerns raised by clients or by colleagues will be investigated. So I think there's already a huge amount of regulation in place.
2: Well, then, why is this being brought about? Why do you think this is happening now?
24: I don't know. I mean, obviously, there are, there are, we need to protect the public against rogue practitioners. I, I, I completely support that. and um, But I do think the vast majority of practitioners are, are kind and caring people, doing their best under difficult circumstances. But, as you, as you mentioned, there have been several um high pro- high profile cases recently where 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 staff haven't been doing their best and and um haven't been doing a good enough job and so you know i think that's fair enough if 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 staff are are not doing a good job then then they need to be sought out but i do feel it might be a bit of a pr exercise i don't know
2: Valerie, I appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Valerie Gommon, uh, independent midwife in the Three Counties. Call
24: 08459
3: 455 555.
2: BBC Three Counties Radio. So, <clears throat> more and more uh, kids are living at home with their parents. When I say kids, I'm talking 13, 14, 15. You would hope they do live with their parents. I'm talking 25. I'm talking 45. I'm talking f- 55. I think we've been up to 53 so far. Possibly the oldest. Well, Paul's in. Uh, well, in. Morning, Paul. Morning, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by the calls we're getting about this. <laughs> you, you, please don't tell me you can beat 53. Uh, yeah,
4: by oh. quite a bit, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Go on. I, I worked I work with a guy for many years that, that must be uh, 61, 62 now, and he's still living at home.
2: He's 61 years old. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's 61 years old. He's still living... Has he ever moved out?
4: No, never been married, never moved out. And it got to the point where, about eight years ago, his parents had had enough of it, so
2: they actually moved out and moved to Norfolk <laughs> and left him there. Really? <laughs> yeah. So they... <laughs> they, 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 they... He came on one day and they changed the locks and they hadn't told him where, where they were going. Well, that's just incredible. What was his excuse for doing this, Paul?
4: It just didn't see the reason for moving out, which I could never fathom. I really, I really couldn't get that one.
2: The thing is, uh, <laughs> moving out is great for both sides, because it, obviously it's it's sad, and it's a tug, and when my boy's out, I will be devastated. I will also be dancing around the garden in my pants, because it's good for the young, the, the kids, because they learn independence, they get life skills, they develop their own lives, they go out and they meet partners and, and d- do all of that. It's also good for the parents, because they can refine their relationship, they can, exactly, you know, yeah. enjoy the peace, they can kind of slow things down a little bit. It's, it's it seems crazy that anybody would want to live with their parents beyond, you know, 23, 24.
4: Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, there is a bit of a growing trend at the moment, unfortunately, where, you know, people split up from relationships and they they, they find it necessary to yeah. have to move back for, you know, a couple of years. I mean, I'm, I, I split up with my, my ex-wife a few years back, but you know you still when you're independent so i didn't go back home you know I, I found a way of making it work for you know a few months until i could get things sorted out it's but always I good i it- understand
2: I think People it's always good that, 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 that you know, I, I can't do it unfortunately because my dad's passed away and my mum lives in a care home but it's always nice to, to think, you know what, if things go really, really badly wrong if I get a few bits of bad luck, if I split up with my wife, if I lose my job I can go and stay at mum's for a, a month couple of months, just until I get my, my feet back on the ground again, that, that's kind of nice but to stay there yeah. for years I know, I know, nah, it's mad isn't it? Paul, thank you very much indeed, uh, we've got a text about this um and this is i'm, I'm suing in well in garden city my brother-in-law who sadly passed away 18 months ago at 58 still lived at home with his mum okay so 58 sorry to hear about your loss but 58 was living with his mum then there's this bit never married but had been engaged for 34 years 34 years i always think you've got you've got a window when you get engaged Three years maximum, maximum. Any longer than that. Sorry, ladies. It ain't happening. I think we got married. uh, We got engaged uh, uh, in uh, March. We got married uh, 12, 13 months later. 18 months is good. Three years tops. Any more than three years that the marriage is not going to happen. Uh, and um, Sharon says, there's no reason why people can't buy a house these days. Well, uh, provided they're in employment, of course. The government's helped to buy a scheme, you only need to have a 5% deposit. Do you agree with Sharon? There's no reason why you can't buy a house. If you've got a job, you should be able to afford to buy a house or a flat. Oh, eight four 455555. We'll have the latest on Banana Gate soon. But now let's get the latest travel with Russell. <laughs> Travel news for
12: beds, cards,
6: and bugs.
3: BBC Three Counties Radio.
12: Well, there's been an accident on the M1, Ian. There's a lane closed northbound, Junction 11, the A505 up to the Toddington Services. Traffic a little bit slow going past there. Still long delays on the M25 after a lorry fire overnight. All lanes back open between Junctions 25 and 24 from the A10 to Potters Bar, but the queues are still almost back as far as Junction 27, the turn for the M11. A number of other nearby routes it's very busy, especially the A10 down towards the M25. M25 is also slow anti-clockwise between Junction 17 and 16 from Maple Cross to the M40. There's a queue on the A405 approaching uh, the roundabout just off Junction 21A of the M25 at Brickett Wood. The A414 has been very slow each way towards London Coney. There's a queue on the A41 at the High Street Waddesdon. That's queuing east towards Aylesbury. Delays of up to half an hour EM2 trains uh, that run through uh, the three counties with Virgin. That's because of a signaling Problem in the Wolverhampton area. Russell Holding, BBC Three Counties Radio. Across beds, hearts, and bugs.
3: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
17: the headlines. I'm Serena Farrow. Every nurse and midwife in the three counties may have their performance checked on a three-yearly basis just to make sure they're still up to the job. Elsewhere, 16% of women say they've been raped, but only a fifth of those have actually reported it. Research shows it's because of a lack of faith in the legal system. Now, as I've been hearing, children are staying at home until well into their, well, early 60s, it seems, as homes are just far too expensive. The National Housing Federation says there needs to be more affordable housing. And a new free school for older pupils opens at Wootton in Bedfordshire today. However, 165 of them will be taught at their temporary site at the village's upper school. That's all the news. Now let's get the latest on sport.
6: Three County Sports.
17: BBC Three Counties Radio. Tennis, then Andy Murray's out of the US Open after a rather dull, that's according to the pundit's mind, straight sets, quarter-final defeat to number nine seed Stanislas Wawrinka.
7: The defending champion is, uh, is a tough opponent, but uh, today uh, I'm just really happy, it was a, was a crazy match for me, and to beat him in three sets is just amazing.
17: Let's turn to football and Southampton striker Ricky Lambert will start for England for the first time in tonight's World Cup qualifier at home to Moldova. Lambert's in the side after Liverpool striker Daniel Sturridge pulled out with injury. England captain Stephen Gerrard says they'll make sure they make the most of Lambert's ability.
18: We've got to play to Ricky's strengths when he's out there on the pitch, which is crosses into the box. He's a fantastic header to the ball and it showed against Scotland. But his all round game um, over the years has got better and better. And, he certainly deserves an international break and he got it.
17: More locally, MK Dons play Swindon tomorrow in front of the TV cameras. The League One game kicks off at quarter past 12. Manager Carl Robinson's been making sure his players are well prepared for the early kickoff.
18: you got to make sure you're up for it. You've got to make sure that you're to bed earlier. You got to make sure that you, you allow yourself that that time in the morning to get yourself awake, rather than only getting up at nine, only being awake for three hours before you then ask to play in a game. So you're asking for the players to get to bed as early as they possibly can, to make sure they're up early, so the body's in fully fully functional and ready and really raring to go.
17: Turning to League One and Stevenage manager Graham Wesley has high hopes for their game at tranmere He reckons they've well gelled after what would be better than he thought they would. In League Two, Wickham are at Hartlepool and elsewhere in the Conference, Luton have a late kick-off at home to Grimsby, that's 5.30. Cricket and England and Australia start their one-day series at Headingley later this morning. Finally, Rugby Union's Aviva Premiership returns this evening as Newcastle Falcons host Bath. Locally, London Irish take on Saracens and London Wasps entertain the Harlequin at the later start of half past four. BBC Three Counties Radio, more from me at nine. Across beds, hearts and bucks.
6: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
2: This is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio. Don't forget, a brand new podcast will be released into the wild uh, today, probably about 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, something like that. You can get it from um, the BBC Three Counties website. There's a little link for podcasts there. It should say podcast, as at the moment mine is the only one. Uh, Or you can go to iTunes. If you go to iTunes, type in Ian Lee, iainl BBC. It pops up. Uh, it's, it's, It's quite a long one this week. It's quite long. It's quite g- lots of lots of giggles this week. A few giggles and some pretty serious stuff as well in there. It, 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 I would suggest that this week's is perhaps the best we have done. It's got some uh, pretty interesting stuff in there. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. Uh, two members of my team were late this morning. Not just like five ten minutes late, forty five minutes late. Kelly Betts uh, w- w- was supposed to arrive at half past five. She arrived at quarter past six. Very late indeed, and very unapologetic and dismissive, I thought. And Serena Farrow, yes, I will out her. I don't think she knew that she was supposed to be coming in today. She missed her first bulletin, and it was expertly done by producer Tara, who stepped in. She stepped up to the plate, which is a horrible Americanism. Um, It's to do with baseball, uh, and, and she did it. So we're talking about being late. When have you been late and excuses? Frank, good morning, Frank. Good morning, Ian. Frank, you, now Frank, you sound like an efficient gentleman. You don't sound like the kind of person that would be late.
13: Sometimes there are good reasons that make it worth being late. Ah, go on. Um, my job was—I was operations director for a, a consultancy. So my job was going around the country, sort of checking up on projects, and then next day going on somewhere else. Yes. And uh, I had a project running in Liverpool, another one in Hull, and uh, the hotel we used to use in Liverpool was a place called the Redbourne where people used to stay to go on good morning tv oh yes of course yes so you'd have uh, various people staying over and um on one occasion I needed to get up early the next morning to sort of travel across to to Hull and when I got up in the morning the uh, hotel manager was in a bit of a state because the alarm wasn't working oh and the guest he had staying with him he was having trouble waking her oh dear and we had a discussion about how to get her out of bed. And um, eventually we decided, you know, make a pot of coffee and take breakfast to her room. Gave her sort of reason to feel more comfortable going into her room.
2: Very polite way of doing it, yes. It was.
13: It was a great inspiration. And um, unfortunately, I needed to get moving to get across to to Hull from a nine o'clock meeting in Hull. Obviously, that delayed me. When I got to Hull, I explained um, to the uh, chap that ran the refinery why I was late. My excuse actually was, I'm sorry I'm late, but I had trouble getting Britt Eklund out of
2: bed. Oh, wonderful. We'll buy that one. We'll have You had to get Britt Eklund out of bed? That's right. So you would kick Brit, Brit Eklund out of bed if you had to?
23: Absolutely. We put a lot
2: of effort into it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Frank, fantastic. Thank you. For... I'll have that. Now, that's an excuse for being late for work. Yeah, I was kicking Britt Eklund out of bed. Ugh. Frank, thank you very much for that indeed. Oh eight four five nine four double five five double five. The reason we're talking about lateness is uh, primarily Kelly Betts. Good morning, Kelly Betts.
11: Hi, that's one of my alarms.
2: How, how could that? Well, first of all, why?
11: I I really struggled you to gone, wake up. It's so early. Have you gone home? No. Then why
2: have you? Why are your alarms here? My
11: alarms are on my phone. All six of them. So they're this all is my favourite.
2: How could you sleep through a pinball table?
11: I slept through the dog barking, the old horn, the piano riff, all sorts.
2: I couldn't sleep through an old horn. No. Uh, by the way, Catherine, Arch- uh, Catherine Boyle, I apologise, who is on holiday uh, this week. Mm. Um, she's, she's on holiday today, off ho- on holiday next week. She's always on holiday, Boyle, isn't she? she? Is, she's yeah. always on Anyway, she sent me a message on Facebook. Please say thanks to Kelly for the text <laughs> message I received that woke me at five o'clock on my day off. She's more than welcome. <laughs> <laughs> of course, she's more than welcome, you cheeky little sausage. Anyway, a new film about Princess Diana is being released. It was the premiere last night, star-studded premiere. Um, Kelly, yes, there were only 150 people who turned up to watch the stars flounce down the carpet. Big names were there: Vanessa Feltz,
11: whoa, Connie Huck No way. Yeah,
2: Connie was there. Was
11: Toby Anstis there?
2: I think he was busy. Ah. Anyway, I'm asking this morning, isn't it time that we, and indeed the Daily Express, left Lady Di, the Queen of Hearts, alone? You've been out and about this morning, Kelly, asking people about it, haven't you?
11: Yes, people love Diana. They think that we should continue talking about her and the good work that she did. Have a listen. We're talking about Princess Diana this morning. A film premiered last night about Princess Diana. Do you think it's time that we left her alone?
21: I think she deserves the rest. It happened let's deal with it let's get on let's move on to something
7: else
11: Princess Diana there's a film that premiered about her last night yeah do you think it's time for us to leave her alone no why not because
7: I just love her she was a really I don't know I just.
11: she was different from all the
8: rest I don't know I just really love her
11: and would you would you go had... and see that film yeah because she did a lot for like charity and everything so why should we forget her do you think it's time that we stop talking about her
30: well no not really because she was, you know, in her time, she was huge, wasn't she? And she did a lot of work for, um, for the mines and that sort of stuff. So, no, I think it's, it's, it's going to carry on
2: until people find out the complete and utter truth about it all.
11: Will you watch that film?
2: I might do when it comes onto DVD or whatever. Hang on, until people find out the complete... I t- the, we know the truth. She had a drunk uh, driver, she was being chased by Paps, and she wasn't wearing a seatbelt. That's the truth.
11: Maybe that guy needs to watch the film.
2: Maybe. the only reason I'd watch the film is because Saeed from Lost is in there.
11: Interesting. Yeah. Should Where, we watch it together.
2: No. Where were you when uh, uh, Princess you found out Princess Diana had died?
11: Um I was at my dad's house and we found out when the alarm went off. Uh, you, one that I actually woke up to. You had a you had a Princess Diana death alarm? It was the it was the announcement. And oh. We were really shocked. Okay. We went to London to lay flowers outside her house. Did you really? Yes. Why? Because she was just somebody who was so huge in our lives when we were growing up.
2: I walked past her once in Kensington High Street.
11: Did she, she recognise you?
2: No, this is um, when I was uh, uh, not famous. Uh, she was hot. I walked past her and went, oh, there's, a, there's that lady who thinks she looks a bit like Princess Diana. Mm. And then suddenly she was um, on, a, on a traffic island in the middle of Kensington High Street and the traffic was building up and she couldn't get across. Suddenly a crowd started building around her and out of nowhere three massive men... Just kind of circled her and got her across the road. I went, "Oh, it actually was Princess Diana. <laughs> she was she was hot, but let's leave her alone Sweating. now." No, let. She was a very attractive lady. Let's leave her alone now, shall we?
11: But people want to continue talking about her and the good work that she did.
2: Okay, thanks. Thanks very much, Kelly. Betts.
11: that's all right, mate. Are you,
2: are you off home now?
11: Um, no, I'm going to do your podcast.
2: Okay, thanks. Could you it's get
11: long this week though? You need yeah. to stop. Doing good stuff.
2: Could you get. I can't be bothered to record the links for the prod card. Could you just go out and get people on the street to do it for me?
11: Uh, I can't be bothered to do that.
2: Thanks very much indeed. That's Kelly Betts. Let's have a quick look at the front page of the newspaper, shall we? The Guardian. Exclusive How US and Britain Unlock Privacy on the Internet. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not that bothered by this anymore. There's also a picture of um, David Cameron at G20. Russia and West clash over new British evidence of gas attack in Syria. In all of these pictures of David Cameron at the G20, he looks very bored. Face on his hand, chin on his hand, looking very bored. I think the thing is, if you're at the G20 or something like that, you've just got to look super keen the whole time. You cannot let your guard down for one second because, snap, that's the photo they'll take. That's the photo that'll be on the front page of the newspaper. Hey, World Recession, ah, is there? You wouldn't have thought so, looking at the, the venue for the G20. It's the most elaborate place in the world. A big centrepiece made of flowers, chandeliers, gold. Oh, it's incredible. They should have it in a grotty council estate, shouldn't they? They should go to some run-down um, uh, community centre somewhere. Get a feeling of what the world is really like. So are they having in, in uh, St. Petersburg? Uh, the, the Independent have got that picture there. Uh, oh, awful! Actually, Anthony Quinn Savage's new Richard Curtis film. I do like reading a good uh, drubbing of a film by a popular director. Should we? Should we dash to page fifty-two? I didn't even. I don't think I've ever. Se- I've seen um, Four Weddings and a Funeral because that was the film to see uh, a long time. I don't think I've ever seen another Richard Curtis film. Film of the week. Um, Anthony Quinn. It gets one star. Is that the name of the film? Oh no, that's the that's the critic. What's the film called? I don't know what the film is called, for goodness sake. About time. There we go. I felt very sorry for the young woman at the screening of Richard Curtis's new film, who found herself sitting right by the muttering loony. On and on he went, cursing beneath his breath, clicking his tongue in uh, exasperation and quietly repeating the words, I hate this film, as if it were a mantra. Unconscionable, really. In fact, I'd like to offer her a personal apology and give an assurance I'll try not to behave like that in the cinema again, but I couldn't help myself. Oh, dearie, dearie, me. Dear me uh, the Daily Telegraph. Uh, Princess Diana is on the front cover. No, it's not. It's Naomi Watts. Opposing housing harms children. Campaigners against planning reforms are stopping children growing tall. Uh, sorry, you I mean literally tall or, or metaphorically. By forcing them to live in smaller homes with shared bedrooms, Michael Gover said. The reforms which have been pushed through to encourage more buildings... Uh, Ah, their educational growth. Okay, that's what he's talking about. We'll we'll make it clear, for goodness sakes, you fool. Uh, The Times, uh, David Cameron is uh, having a chat with Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel. Angela Merkel. The Daily Mail. Top judges war on secret courts. One of Britain's most senior judges vowed yesterday to expose family courts to the glare of publicity after decades of obsessive secrecy in a landmark ruling. Sir James Munby said parents of children taken into care must no longer be gagged by the courts and the public should be told what social workers are up to. Oh, this sounds interesting. Sir James, who is president of the Family Division of the High Court, said the removal of children from their families had become the most drastic matter judges dealt with. Now there was no death penalty. And there's a picture of Lady Diana. It's not Diana! Daily Express, a picture of Diana. It's not... Oh, it is Diana. And drugs to stop the agony of arthritis. Get over it. And The Sun, Nazi rant exclusive. Russell's favourite brand... Hugo Boss, he wore a jacket by German firm, he's been uh, in trouble because uh, he was at the GQ Awards and it was sponsored by Hugo Boss and he made, pointed out quite correctly that Hugo Boss designed, who, what, what uh, famous uniforms did he design? The uniforms of the SS, of Nazi soldiers. Nazi jibe comic Russell Brand was blasted as a hypocrite last night for wearing a jacket by German fashion firm Hugo Boss. A picture of the 38 year old emerged the day after he was booted out of an awards after party after he mocks the company's links to Hitler's SS. Wowzers. I 0845- oh, will do that in a second. Sorry, I missed that. 08459. 455555. Joyce in Lee Graves, stay there. I will come to you straight after this. Travel news for beds, cards, and bugs. BBC
3: Three Counties Radio. Well,
12: it's slow on the M1 northbound, where the inside lane is closed between junctions uh, 11, the A505 Luton and Dunstable turn, and the Toddington services. So the accident on the hard shoulder, but the inside lane closed, close past the scene where the emergency services. After that, is slow. Still long delays on the M25. We reckon Ian, it's taking about half an hour to get through the queues. Anti-clockwise junctions 27 to 24 from the M11 to Potter's Bar. After the motor was closed for around six hours overnight after a lorry caught fire. It's also looking very busy clockwise, Junction 23, uh, the A1M at South Mims because of the, uh, the roadworks. The A10's been queuing down towards the M25. There have been delays from London Coney Roundabout off Junction 21A. A41's been pretty slow towards London Coney as well, plus there are delays on the A41 uh, heading west towards uh, Hartford. I've got the usual delays on the A5 each way through Dunstable. Very busy going into Aylesbury, today. The speed sensors suggest there are some uh, pretty heavy delays on the A41 heading west into Aylesbury and the Ring Road looking pretty busy as well. Plus traffic on the A41 at Waddesdon heading towards Aylesbury also looking uh, very slow. Russell Holding, BBC
2: Three Counties Radio. That's 8.46, it's Friday the 6th of September, these are your headlines. Every nurse and midwife may have their performance checked on a three-yearly basis after the failings at Stafford Hospital. 16% of women say they've been raped, but only a fifth of those have actually reported it because of a lack of faith in the legal system. And in sport, Southampton striker Ricky Lambert will start for England for the first time in tonight's World Cup qualifier at home to Moldova. Right, let's get the weather, here's Elizabeth Rattini.
8: Good morning to you. We've got outbreaks of rain through the course of the day today, um, really quite heavy at times actually, but it should be a drier picture by the time we get to the afternoon. A uh, little bit of brightness perhaps developing particularly over parts of Buckinghamshire. Temperatures today very disappointing, um, uh, much cooler than it was yesterday by a good 10 degrees Celsius in some places, 18 or 19 degrees only, that's 66 in Fahrenheit. As we head through into tonight, we're into the cooler air, temperatures dropping to 11 or 12 degrees. It should be a mostly dry night actually with the chance of a couple of showers here and there and then the weekend well it's good news actually if you've got some kind of event on outdoors you will need to wrap up fairly warmly certainly a lot warmer than than uh, you've been doing so far this week uh, we've got temperatures only at around 18 degrees but it should be dry and bright for most of the weekend always the risk of one or two showers popping up here and there but also some spells of sunshine at times too that's the forecast
2: thank you very much <laughs>
8: Every weekday
3: morning from 9, the JVS show.
14: You just can't
3: carry on with life. It, I mean, it's just awful. With the biggest opinions.
6: It's about time somebody or an organisation
27: stood up and basically not the coffee. Well, yeah, it depends on the individual, actually. Let's pollute the planet even more. We should pollute it so much your Pinot Gris show goes rotten.
3: And the biggest local
6: talking points. What we really need to do is for everyone in, in the country to reduce their energy
4: consumption, not increase
2: it.
3: The JVS show. Weekdays from 9. 9, BBC
2: Three Counties Radio Morning, this is Ian Lee, BBC Three Counties Radio We're going to have a bit of music in a second But before that, Joyce is in Lee Grave Morning, Joyce Hello, I'm <laughs>
31: here
2: at last <laughs> at, at last, Joyce We. Got, I was so so obsessed with listening to my own wonderful delivery of the newspapers I thought, no, Joyce can wait oh, Sh- She can wait, you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my bit Joyce, Princess Diana, should we, should we let her rest?
31: No, she's lovely. Well, she's. Uh, yes, yeah, she, but she. The memories going, she's really lovely. No, like they're all the royal, royal family. Yes, we're something to be proud of. But I wanted to tell you. Yes. That when Princess Diana came to open at the co-op on the top of Stockingstone Hill, there's a sports centre up there. Princess a,
2: Diana opened a co-op?
31: <laughs> the co-op bowling green. Oh, okay. It's not bowling green. It's a yes. sports centre, yes. right? Yes. And consequently. Uh, all of the regalia were there, and uh, she arrived. I was working at the time with my other colleagues, yes. and we were standing in a line—three of me, my, my colleagues, and myself. And we only had to speak when we spoke to you. Know the usual procedure. So consequently, she passed us. We were just in the um, hotel centre, the hotel centre, yes. the kitchen centre oh. where the fridges and freezers. She walked all the fridges the and building, the freezers, yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And we stood, and we didn't realise as she was passing us, and she was looking at us eye to eye. She was looking beyond us at the back of our head somehow, the side of our head, and we couldn't... We didn't know what was happening. And the thing being, she said to us, I wonder what William's having for dinner tonight. And we didn't know what she was on about. We smiled. And of course, the freezers were made by William's, and they were behind us. So she was looking at it. And she saw the fridge or the freezer, whatever it was, and she said... I wonder what William's having for his dinner tonight. And of course it was she made a lovely joke, you know, and she smiled and she pointed
2: and so, it was, fri- was she, so fri- she was talking about Prince William? Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's right. Her
31: son, she was wondering what she he was, was having, what's in the fridge for his ah, dinner tonight. And she was lovely. And when she actually opened the indoor bowling green yes. she stood up and ah. it goes down into a recess a little bit. Yes. And she went to there was a I once said old oh boy, a lovely old gentleman, lovely gentleman yes. that was there yeah. and uh, taken around and we were all watching and everything. And as she, she gave her this, the bowl, uh, what do you call it? The bowl? I don't know what you call it. It's a, a jack or something, whatever it was. They gave her this and yes. she was to throw the first ball oh. down onto the pitch, onto the green, yes. see? Yes, yes. And she went to step down the step onto Uh-oh. And he put his arm yes. across, like her waist, oh. to say, stop,
2: Mum. No, you don't touch a royal.
31: We, are, Yeah, that's right. We are not allowed. Would you mind to take your shoes off? Oh, God, we told <laughs> Princess Dad take her shoes off! And she did. Well, yeah. And she skipped down there like a, I don't a know. A She was lovely. Like a little pixie.
2: Joyce, have you got a couple of minutes? What for? Oh, uh, Ooh, okay. Well, I, I've got. I, I'm joined by uh, Richard Judge. Morning, Richard. Good morning. Richard's a, a young local m- uh, uh, musician. He's going to play a song. I, I, I was wondering if you'd like to stay and give us your thoughts on it. Right. Is that okay? Yeah. Go on. R- all right, well, it's a tough audience? No, you have to move it, you know. Sorry? You have to move it and get on. Oh, all right, well, I was hoping to do that, but oh, you're.
19: Oh, the
12: pressure.
2: Story went well. <laughs> I tell you what, Richard, we'll have a chat in a second. Richard, can you play us a song, and then if you don't mind, we'll let uh, Joyce uh, give I'm us. I'm Welsh,
31: you know, so I like music, so watch it.
2: Yeah.
5: <laughs> I'll do my best to uh, impress you, Joyce. <laughs>
2: Poor okay. lad, he's feeling really intimidated. Right, Joyce, button it. Richard, away you go, sir.
32: There is hope in these walls So I won't let the foundations talk. We night, we stay strong, and there's a sign of intent. Take these steps, be gone sing my teeth into all this means use my
2: but listen, did Kelly Betts and myself applauding. <coughs> Richard, <coughs> it's not up to us whether that was any good or not. We, we go and to the random factor, the randomizer, Joyce in Leegrave Hello. He- oh, you sound angry.
31: No, 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 it was lovely. Did you enjoy that? Yes, I did. <coughs> 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 Hasn't he got a sweet voice? He has, and I think, actually, <coughs> could, his, his voice is so good, he should try lots of other different songs as well as what he's doing, because I think he could cope with it.
2: What, what, when you say lots of other different songs, what does that mean? Well... Sort of songs that you
31: could sit down and rest to and you can hear exactly what he's saying. Yes. And I think he could do a lot more than keeping to that particular kind of music. That music's good and excellent. Yes, but... In the right place.
2: But, but, and, and where would the right place be for that kind of music, do you think?
31: Well, I don't know. The bedroom? I, mean, I quite enjoyed it. I would enjoy it sort of in the evening or yep. things like that.
2: But you want some morning music.
31: Yeah, I, well, I think he, he could... A wider wider yes yes
2: and to do music joyce a uh, good, uh, good voice richard are you, you taking all this on board I think it's invaluable yeah, and yeah i'll tell
31: good. you what richard my grandson is going to scotland to the singing university up there well it's not mm. university but what? that's the only one it is he's a singer oh and uh they, he's the only one up there uh, he had to go so far because they don't do single singers
2: no so he's
31: had to he's had to yes. move. He's on the
2: way of moving up there now. Well, reason. we will, uh, Joyce. We wish him the very best of luck, Richard. We 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 kind of out of time. I don't even going to get. We're not going to get time for a second song. But 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 don't panic. We'll get you back again. I'll make sure we do that. Uh, have you got a website if people want to come and find out bits and pieces about you? Where can they go? I uh, have indeed. Uh, probably the best place is uh, my Facebook, which is facebook.com dot slash Richard Judge Songs. Richard Judge songs, we got there. Uh, and you've been doing this for quite a while, haven't you? It feels like it, yeah. 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 Have you got any gigs or anything coming up? People want to come and uh, see you, uh, tout your business somewhere? Have you got anything happening? I'm going to be doing something in London in October, but it's not
19: confirmed yet. So if people go and Put their eyes on those uh, websites. Then um, that's
2: their London. Answered. Listen, we <laughs> haven't got time for another song. I'm really sorry about that. Blame no Joyce. No, no blame, blame Joyce. No, don't. But we'll, we will get you back. I'll we'll make sure we sort that. Out. But would you mind doing a little bit of instrumental backing for the travel news? I hope that's not too demeaning to your art. Could you? Could you strum could us? Try. Could you strum us a little something while I go over to Russell to get the travel? Yeah, I'll give it a away. Go. You go, sir. News from. There we go. This is the perfect. This is this is the perfect backing for the travel. Russell, you come up with this, can't you?
12: Yeah, I certainly can. It's good, isn't it?
2: Relaxing. I like it. Away oh, you uh, go. M1, one lane
12: closed northbound junction 11, the A505 Luton-Dunstable turn up towards the Tollington sit services. Where there's an accident on the hard shoulder, it's slow uh, towards and past there. There are still long anti-clockwise queues on the M25 junctions 27 to 24, taking around half an hour to get from the M11 to Potter's Bar. Also very busy clockwise around junction 23 at South Mims because of the roadworks. The Tens, very slow down towards the M25. Very slow on the A41, heading west uh, into Aylesbury. There are delays around the London Coney roundabout. Hartford on the A414, very slow. Uh, east, Russell Holding, or west rather. Russell Holding, BBC Three
2: Counties Radio. Russell, thank you very much. I think that's the way forward for the travel I think that's fantastic. Oh, you could have kept on playing there. if you- Oh, I'm getting all confused with my echo and stuff. Uh, uh, Richard, Judge, thank you so much for coming in. I'm sorry we didn't get the time for the second song. That's naughty. No worries, Give us no your worries. Facebook page one more time. It's uh, Facebook, so Richard Judge songs. Brilliant. Fantastic. We will get you back indeed. Thank you for that. That's it. That's Shiloh. Don't forget the new podcast goes up later on today. JVS is up next until Monday at six o'clock from me. Ta ta. Have a nice weekend. Local
3: and vocal across beds, hearts, and bucks.
6: This is BBC Three Counties Radio.
21: Thank you, Ian. Good morning. Welcome to the JVS show. I'm Jonathan Vernon Smith. It's Friday, and on today's big phone in, do you know what it feels like to be burnt?